Hola. Hola, Charlito. Charlito. Hola, Charlie. Charlie. Okay, Charlie. Is your name Charles? It's Charles, not Charles. You're looking about the speed of love. Someone that I've been following for over a year and a half. Um, he makes good music, good vibes. Uh, Mr. Bad Vibes is so yesterday. <laughs> Brooklyn's own Code of the Friend. What's Yo, up, fellas? What's up? Yo, man. Thank you for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Seriously. Like, it blew my mind when I found out that Vernon was related to you. Mm. You know, I just really want to share this story because um, I'm very, you know, I'm very selective with the artists that I follow. Mm. Uh, because I, I'm very aware of the information that I'm putting in my mind, right? Um, so I'm very careful when I do that. Um, but I came across your music when I was traveling around Europe in 2019, summertime. And, um, you know, and it was a transitional phase, man. Like I wanted to switch up a couple of things in my life at the time, right? So I went out there with two of my good friends and... Um, you know, we get to Madrid, we do a little partying. This is all obviously pre-COVID, right? We do partying, you know, we're, we're going to restaurants, right? We're still keeping it low, keeping it humble, right? Then we go to um, Mallorca, which is a beautiful mm. island off the coast of Spain, right? And then we hit Ibiza, mm. right? Party Central on steroids. Yeah, we're on a tour. <laughs> right? listen, listen. <laughs> So my man Josh, shout out to Josh, you know, uh, Jewish brethren of mine, right? Um, you know, also very, I got to shout him out and I want to connect him with you, Vernon, uh, successful when it comes to um, home building estates. No doubt. Um, he kept on playing this one song and this one song and I'm like, you know what? All of a sudden I, I start knowing the words and I'm like, yo, who is this guy? And he was like, oh, it's this guy named Coda. This guy named Koda. And I was like, okay. And then the song was, um, everybody think I'm Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. You know? And we were out there because we were partying. We was also, you know, we weren't on the gram. We weren't on social media. We wanted to keep it humble. But after a while, you know, after party is that energy. After party, after events. And, you, and you know, you're, you're feeling, you know, just the energy of all these travels. And, and, but you don't want to like really boast about it because you know, like you don't know who's watching you. And for business reasons, you also don't want to put yourself out there like that. But at that time, when that song hit, you know, we were doing crazy shit. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. we were, <laughs> we were taking <laughs> selfies, you know, at the Calvin Harris concert, you know. And, um, and that song became the mantra going forward throughout the rest of the vacation. Wow. We were going to, uh, to, um, to to Portugal, Lisboa. We had an amazing time, man. So that's how I came across. That's so friends. dope. Right. I'm so glad that in some way I was part of that trip. You feel know <laughs> me? Because the trip sounds, sound like you know, epic. You know dude, what I mean? Dude, you were there, bro. I just saw you were there, bro. That's I feel like I, I was there now. Like when I first met you, I'm like, oh, it's been a while. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, damn, bro, where you been? We was just in. <laughs> You know? Oh, man. Yeah, 
yeah, man. So then I get back to New York and yo, bro, like I start to go, I start to devour your photo, your photo album. Mm. Right? And I have a photo album for those that are listening. You already know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The called photo, photo album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Photo you get album. it. You get it. Yeah. You get it. So yeah. I'm listening to the songs and it's a vibe. Yes. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed the whole album. And, um, so I start like posting, I start quoting you on Instagram, bro. Mm. I'm like, you know, I'm taking a photo, quoting Coda. You know, driving around in the beds, listening to old Yank, quoting Coda. <laughs> you know? um, also, I had just um, started a, uh, a relationship and, um, and some of your songs were hitting. Wow. <laughs> when it came to those, you know, to that relationship. And I actually ended up posting the video that you, that you uh, posted on your, um, on your page. I think it was Birdie. And there was a young, you know, young brown dude um, talking affectionately to his, you know, the girl that he was talking to. She had curly hair, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a vibe. And this is hitting home right now. This is hitting close. Everything that, that you were spitting. So, um, you know, Vernon goes, yo, he's pretty good. My bro's pretty good. He's like, yo. And I was like, you're flush. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like. You're kin? <laughs> I was like, what kind of bro? Like fist in the air? <laughs> Or like same parents kind of a bro. He was like, yeah. no, my biological brother. I was like, get the fuck out of here. That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. I yeah. remember I was on the bus. Small world. Where we were talking. He was like, yo, really? Coda? The <laughs> I was like, yeah, both moms and dad. Really? Yeah. 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 yeah, man. That, oh, that was, that was, that was That's interesting. Funny. I was like, what? Like, I, it's like, I don't even know you, Vernon. Yeah. <laughs> like, your brother is Coda? So, you know, and... It was still too much to process at the time, and it still is now, you know, um, and I'm grateful that you're here, Coda, you know, um, but I didn't get a chance to ask Vernon, man, but how proud are you of of your little brother? Yo, man, I, I've seen him work his ass mm-hmm. off, yo, and I've seen, I seen him take jobs that he don't like. I've seen mm-hmm. him, you know, you know, do things that he had to do in order to get to where he's at, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm so proud to see where he's at now and to see... You know how he's able to bring up his son, and my, you know my nephew, who I mm. love. I, I give my life mm. for my brother or for my nephew. You know, in a heartbeat. So it's just, it's a beautiful thing, and and it all, it all stems back to, you know, our parents and what they were able to give to us. So shout out yeah. to Vernon Senior, and Marcella, of course. Yeah, y'all are our loves. You know, we love y'all for sure, for sure. And uh, did you foresee this? Did you, oh, see, man. did you foresee you know, it's, it's, success? I'm going to tell you guys a story that nobody knows, please, right? So please. so back in the day, I think Avery was like four or five, maybe. But he, w- he was singing this song, this Mary J. Blige <laughs> song. Um, uh, I'm going down. I'm going, I'm going down, down. I'm going yeah. down, right? So he, w- he was singing this and he would perform it for the, for the family. And my great-grandmother, um, you know, rest her soul, you know, she... She said, you know, Avery, he he's gonna he's gonna be a star. <laughs> he's gonna be a star. She knew that like from from early, early. So every time, you know, I, I get asked that question, I think about that moment where we, you know, he's performing for the family and, and it, you know, it's crazy is because Coda, you know, Avery, my nephew's yeah. son, he does the same thing, <laughs> right? So he's he's at family functions grabbing the mic. He'll grab the doing, mic. Doing the doing the whole, you know, doing the whole Coda song. Amazing. And um it, it, so I I think we knew early, you know, and his his creative abilities, you know, were showing very early with, mm-hmm. you know, when you were like 18, you did documentaries, you oh, know. Yeah. I feel like, you know, our parents really nurtured nurtured our uh, our passions. That's great. And and I think that's what allowed us to do what we do because think about it, think about a lot of people 
who are just focused on money and focused on getting a job and and we were able we had that ability to kind of like get out think outside the box and understand that yo the real true value in life is when you do what you love to do and mm-hmm. you're going to be able to do amazing things and touch people's soul so then we seeing that come come to fruition you know with, with what, what he's doing so and and you you're a testament to that so uh that's you know we knew early yeah we knew early yeah you know and um you guys are, are too talented but blessed right yeah i think we've spoken about that before because you just mentioned your mother a dancer someone that pursued her art yes right? and then your father was a businessman mm-hmm. so talk to me about that dynamic having those those two persons pretty much you know raising you and those influences man listen um you know i i i think about on the business side i think about my dad when we were young we would gather around the 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 kitchen table and we would uh get get his mailers ready for his <laughs> clients right mm. so as a family we would sit down and do his marketing every like almost every friday and he what he was doing at that time i don't even know if he knew it but maybe he did maybe he didn't but he was kind of giving us the the blueprint of what we needed to do just just by doing. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to tell us shit, right? He just he just moved the way he moved, and I saw him as a boss my whole life. I always saw my dad as a boss, mm-hmm. so it, I, it's only right that I can only see myself as a boss. I can't see myself giving my hard earned giving my energy to the next man right. to let them fulfill their dreams. We gotta we gotta put our energy into what we believe, and even if that means. You know, going years or whatever it is without, you know, seeing your true value until you until you make it or whatever. But you gotta keep pushing. I don't know what you. Yeah, think. nah, he didn't. Um, yeah, like you said, he was his own boss. Like you never saw him work for anybody. Like he never folded to anything. Like right. he, uh, he got up for himself. You know, he woke up for him and he showed up for us. You know, yeah. so it's just like it's. I feel like usually, uh, parents have to sacrifice. You know, their kids' baseball games and basketball games, you know, to yeah. go to work or to be at work or be for the office. Yeah. But he was able to be like, you know, I'm not going to work right now. I'm going to go support my kid. You feel me? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was, he definitely, like, but they both, I think, like, I think my mother is really the heart. My mother's yeah. like, yeah. my mother's the heart. She gave us a lot of stuff that, you know, my dad couldn't, you know, like, uh, and just, it it was a village. It took a village. It took our aunts and, you know, our grandmas and all of that. But even with just, like, having our dad as, like, the, the focal point, is like, the center. Like, he's the head of the family. Yeah. You know, we kind of learned to uh, follow the follow the beat of our own drum, right. you know? Beautiful. And I want to add something because my, my mom's, you know, we grew up as Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. And... You know, I think what that what that taught me, and I think that what what the taught Avery is is kind of individual individuality, mm-hmm. because um, even though I don't I don't I don't uh, practice today, but back in school when we had first grade all the way up into high school, you know, we didn't do the pledge of allegiance. I didn't, you know, we, we didn't mm-hmm. uh, go to Halloween parties. We didn't go to Christmas parties. We didn't go to birthday parties. So all of that, you know, we were outsiders at a right. very young age. Yeah. So what that gave us was kind of like body armor early to be our own selves right thick skin thick skin yeah. for when folks you know criticized you or shamed you for yeah. being different right true right. Right. Yeah. so okay so you have your father and your mother that were you know great tremendous influences in your lives Lakota how was 
Vernon as a big brother. <laughs> oh, Vernon, he was a big brother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he, was, he was a big brother. Okay, okay. <laughs> nah, like um uh he was he was great though. Like we had we had our moments, you know, just like brothers gonna have their moments where they're at each other's throats and you know what I mean? But we had great moments, you know what I'm saying? Like that I definitely cherish. Like I was always stealing his stuff, you know what I'm saying? I was stealing his clothes, his music. Whatever it is, but he, I think at the time, like when you know when I would be stealing his CDs, he didn't he didn't really realize what I was doing with it. You know what I mean? He didn't. It's like I I would really it wasn't like I was taking his stuff just to be like you know I don't care about it. Like I was really like digesting that music. You know, like we, he, he couldn't find his Fu- Fuji CD. I was studying it, you know. <laughs> and see, something came. He was remember CD. Yo, CDs was important back then, bro. You gotta understand, CDs were important back then. Like real CDs is just like having it was like that was your album, you know. Coda, but what was the first CD that actually, you know, now that you're talking about CDs, because now you're bringing me back. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, like when I when I talk about the first album that I listened to, mm-hmm. it was the tape cassette. Oh right! Oh yeah, we used to listen to tapes. I used to listen to tapes. Uh, I remember um, always bumping. Uh, I used to listen to it in a Walkman. <laughs> the um, uh, the, it was notorious, uh, notorious B.I.G. More money, more problems. Like that was the tape. You know, I remember we had that tape, and I bump. Yeah, yeah, it was a single. You bump, turn it in, and you turn it around, and it's another joint. Not like yeah, we used to. I used to just bump that one on the on the Walkman. Crazy, I just came in my brain. Yeah. It's awesome, and also in your interludes, mm-hmm. I hear women like uh, family uh, relatives. Yeah, relatives like you have sisters. Oh no, we don't have sisters? we don't have sisters. Those are my aunts. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. yeah. Look at that. So, so you have a family of, you know, just a tremendous support system with aunts, mm-hmm. both father and mother. Um, you know, giving you different angles of the game. You know, of course. Like, you know, yeah. One has you know I don't want to say the mind, but one is business savviness, and the other one is the artistic uh, one, which, mm-hmm. is, which is a great combination. So how has your relationship changed with age? I mean, I mean it, it's, it's gotten great. I think it's mature. It's, mm-hmm. it's a maturation, right? It's mm-hmm. a maturation in the, in the relationship. You know, I went, to, I went away to high school and, and college, so I was like out of the, out of the house, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's, almost, that's eight years. Yeah. You know, out of the house, and we didn't really get a chance to connect. So now, it's a beautiful thing because now we we have freedom. Like last few few weeks ago, we were in Lake Tahoe together. Abe called me up. He's like, "Yo, I'm going to Lake Tahoe. Come through." Mm. I hopped in the whip. We out. <laughs> you know, and and we just enjoyed a beautiful weekend together. You know, riding horses and doing you know going hiking. It was dope. It was it was amazing. Like that. Those are these are moments that I, I'll never forget. And right. I think about another moment is like when I was um. I just got into real estate when I was 18, mm-hmm. and I was making a good amount of money at that time. And um, there was a, a, a 10 year anniversary of the Reasonable Doubt album, and um, I grabbed some. I grabbed two front row tickets. You know, it was like it was like everything I had, but it it, it, it I knew it, it meant something. So I, I told my moms we we were going. You know, because he mm-hmm. he was at the time. You just you were. It was your graduation present, so... Yeah, I was graduating, like, junior element. High was it junior, junior high? high school, I think, yeah. You sure? Positive, huh? Positive. Uh, it was junior high school, I think. Yeah. So there's a real gap between you. Yeah, five now nah, we five years. Five years. Yeah, five, five years, years apart. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we, you know, that that um, reasonable doubt joint, like, being there and seeing his face, like, looking over and seeing him so 
so you know immersed into Jay, you know, <laughs> on stage. And I think you know I, I look at that and and I just love those moments that we've shared, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm excited for for what's to come too, you know. Wow, well, talk to me about that experience going to that concert. <laughs> Listen to Jay's reasonable doubt. Yeah. I, every time somebody asks me about my first concert experience, I'm like, let me tell you. <laughs> like, sit down, let me tell you a story. You feel me? Like, but, nah, it was great, bro. Like, I was, like, 12, you know? Yeah. Like, but because him, having him around and, like, learning from his musical taste, and he loved, big fan of Jay-Z. He's always, you know, he was adamant about everything Jay-Z. He had every album, you know what I mean? And because I was always there to still set albums, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was always there to be like, nah, I want to, you know, I was indulging in it too. And when LimeWire came out, I stopped stealing his albums, you feel me? I stealing <laughs> <laughs> I started stealing from somebody else. <laughs> but nah, but so like Jay-Z was a big part of both of our lives, you know? And I was, yeah, I was like from the point where I was probably like nine or something like that, even younger than that. And... uh. So his music was just important to me. You know, I knew every lyric. Right. Like at 12, I knew every lyric to Reasonable Doubt, you know, like to, to Blueprint. I could tell you, I could give you a whole backstory on how this song was made. And like, I was just really studying it. I, my mother always tells my both my parents always tell me, yo, you have an addictive personality. Thought I was going to be on crack. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but I'm, I'm just like that. Like when I find something I like, I got to, I got to know about it. Like, and so... When we went to the Jay-Z concert, it was just like everything that I'd been, you know, it's like being a, a, a nerd and learning about something and then finally being able to see it live and experience it live. And so, like, it's still to this day is one of, you know, the most important, you know, experiences in my life. Like, being that close to Jay and watching him and singing the lyrics, like, I still, I can still recall every. Yeah. Part of the concert, you know? You know, that's crazy because I, I went to Jay's um, concert when he was doing uh, that concert with uh, R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Oh, R. Kelly, yeah. something had happened the night before. So uh, Jay-Z had to invite a whole bunch of friends. Mm-hmm. So he invited Mace. Like He had, you know, dudes that I was like, oh, I would never know they would share the same stage together. Right. Uh, just He was just grabbing a whole bunch of friends from the New York area and they were performing and it was a hell of a concert. But I, but I bring this up because... The last thing I expected was for me to be on the chair, screaming out Jay Z's lyrics at the concert. Because <laughs> right. like you would think that is reserved for like, you know, like a rock and roll concert or you know, mm. hip hop, especially not a Jay Z, low tempo, you know, yeah. you know, slow rhythmic kind of a vibe. You know, like you don't expect yourself to like lose yourself in that way Mm -hmm. at a concert so you know i can you know and i was a grown-up i was a i was 21 22 at the time and i was overwhelmed with the energy i could only imagine being your age bro yo jesus crazy was sitting behind us (laughs) (laughs) it was crazy you know it's right there it's funny i used to to have this notepad in, in college and the first page always said what would hope do that's you know, crazy. Yo, yo, that, that's, you know, yo, that's, yeah. that's how much of an influence Jay had on me. For real. You know, right. you know look, um, there was a time where I was just messing around with Nas, Nas's music, and then there was a time where I forgave Jay-Z for <laughs> some shit that he did, and, and then overall, I just appreciate both of their music. And, yeah. You know, great, great. Um, especially what he's doing now on the business level. Yeah. You know, what, what he's doing with Title, what he's doing with, with other things. I know some people have criticized him with his deal with the NFL, but... Um, 
Jay-Z is, is someone that I admire. I yeah, admire yeah. For, for many reasons. Um, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. How are you guys holding up? I mean, you know, thank God I got my health. You know, my family's got the health. Um, that's number one. Uh, I think right now is, is a time to self-reflect and to understand mm. what the future holds and, and to really, really get inside your, your head and, and figure out what it is. Um, you know, I, I've used this time to shape out the next five years. Mm. You know, I think while everybody else is... It, I, I feel like 2020 could either be a cocoon or a coffin. You know, it, it's a cocoon if you want to... You know, everybody's inside, but it, you, you're getting ready for the next evolution. Or it could be a coffin where you kind of, you, you, you playing into your vices and you, you know, you're going too hard with, you know, the drinking, the smoking, whatever it may be. Right. But, you know, I, I, I like to see it as a cocoon mm-hmm. where we're going to emerge out of, in, you know, 2021 as a, as a new being, as a mm-hmm. new, as an evolved person. So that's, mm-hmm. that's, how, that's how I look at it. And um, I'm ready for the next, next move. Word. How about you, Coda? Yeah. Like artistically, where are you? Yeah, I've taken this time to really think about my life. You know what I mean? I feel like, um, man, I've been in tunnel vision. I've been tunnel vision for, for years, you know? And we were talking about this on a trip, and I was just like, bro, like, I just, uh, I've been paying attention to certain things that I haven't had, you know, the luxury of paying attention to, like, my emotions and, <laughs> like, my, you know, my relationships and my close relationships and, like really trying to repair things that have been broken and, you know, things that haven't been, you know, tended to, you know, like just, you know, not a, you're not tending to your emotions every day necessarily when you're working every day and making sure that your finances is good and you're always on the phone and you're always trying to make sure everything you're talking to this person, that person, management, uh, you got to travel here, you're on tour three months out of the year, then when you come back, you got to start working on an album and this. So... I really just took a step back, you know? I feel like um, where I would have got, I remember I got off tour and pretty much when we were done with tour, we were supposed to go to Australia and then we were gonna go to Asia. And then there was so much more lined up, you know, that uh, if COVID didn't happen, I wouldn't have stopped, you know? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had that reset, you know? And I would have just bulldozed my way through my career again until it was time to make another album. And then it would have went, it would have started over. Mm. So because of COVID, I've actually been able to take that step back, be like, all right. And I've really just been learning about myself on a crazy level, like breakthroughs, bro, like complete breakthroughs that I would have never, I don't think I would have had, you know? Mm. So it's it's been helping me just to, you know, take a, take a second, you know, get my footing and I'm figuring it out, you know? Mm. What's your, what's the daily... Like, do you have a routine? Uh, about you, you know, how you go about your day? I'm starting to have a routine. Okay. You know, like that's one th- that's one thing that I'm learning to to do. You know, have a routine. Like now, I wake up, and it used to be like my son is he's three years old. You know, he just wants to do everything rambunctious. He gets up. I don't know how he does it, but he's he's up. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. he gets up and he's like, yo. Like, he, he can have coal in his eyes. He's going to be like, let's get ready for the day, Dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's ready to attack the day like nobody I've ever seen, you know? So uh, it, it used to be a struggle for me, you know? But now I've been doing things. Like, now when we wake up, before we do anything, we stretch. You feel me? 
we we get loose. We feel like we 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 take a whole fifteen to twenty just to do different stretches, and he does them with me like mm-hmm. seriously. And then you know we brush our teeth together and we make breakfast. You know what I mean? And we we chill. Then we take after we eat breakfast, we take like ten minutes to just kick it. You know, and then we start doing stuff and activities and things like that. So like I'm I'm getting into that, and I like I work out during the day now. And at night, I like to do a wind down. And me and Coach, when he, when I have him, we like do movie night. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like creating those kind of like traditions within the family, you know. And even when it comes to like seeing my mom and dad and seeing my aunts and like creating those schedules, we're in, we're getting into that now, which is so beautiful. It's helping, yeah. Um, you know, people listen to you now, but those that listen to your music know that you're a proud father mm-hmm. and that you love your son and that you really um, appreciate the moments that you have with him because you're always on tour. You're, you're busy pursuing your craft. What are the challenges that you have as a father, uh, you know, wanting to be present with your, with your son? Mm. I think just like dealing with life stresses and being present is hard. You know, it's hard like just to and with the whole career thing, bro, like, and then the pressures of just, like, people always wanting something from you, you feel me? Like, it's a uh, it's, it's a struggle, and you really, and that's really the song that you love so much, like, Hollywood, yeah. that the one that started it all, like, that's where that song came from. It's just like, yo, every, yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> it's like, everybody think I'm Hollywood, and I'm like, I can see it, because you know why? Because I'm taking care of my family. So, you know what? Call me Hollywood, you know? Because yeah. at some point... Like, you can't please everybody, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just a real thing. Like, if you try to please everybody, you'll end up disappointing everybody, yeah, you know? Right. Like, exactly, including yourself, and you'll be worse off. Like, so, uh, it's, it's, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I think yeah. folks don't understand how much energy we have. Right, you know? right. And that's why it's so important for us to preserve our energy. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, like, I feel a lot more energetic now because I'm, I'm not forced to deal with people uh, you know that I normally deal with for work. Mm. I can I can work from my own home. Less people, less energy, um, and you know, and I'm allowed to be more intentional with who I spend my energy with. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I get it. I get it. And um, how have you now? I know we're not in normal circumstances, but when we go back to normal circumstances, whatever normal is, you knowing that. Um, it's hard for you to be present, just like it's hard for many fathers to be present, yeah. just like it's hard for many mothers to be present, you know, especially single mothers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, have you took a lesson? Like, have you, you know, you talk about breakthroughs. Have you discovered a remedy to that? You know, like, I think you, you know, I think you explained it in that you have somewhat of a, like a routine, and I think yeah. that helps. Yeah, that um, definitely helps. Yeah, so is it a, is the, is the routine the remedy uh, it's part of it. Okay. I say, um, honestly, bro, I say log off, you know, mentally mm-hmm. and physically, you yeah. know? You Let know? Let me tell you something. <laughs> like, yeah. it's real talk. I think you're going to leave here and your phone's going to get tapped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because the powers that be don't like yeah. what you're saying. Bro. Yeah. Because if we log off, that means that we're not bombarded by these advertisements. Yeah. We're not bombarded by, you know, you know mass information of, of whatever's going on, whether it's politics, the elections, how much how much mental real estate has the elections uh, taken up in right. your mind? Huh? Well, you know, it's, <laughs> it's it's designed to keep us 
keep us on edge, yeah. right? It's designed to keep us addicted to information yeah. and to, you know, so we've got to, we've got to be conscious about what we bring, what, like what we started. You got to be conscious about what you bring into your, yeah. into mm-hmm. your head. And, and I mean, you hit, a, you hit on a nail. It's, it's, it's a time to kind of step back and reflect, mm-hmm. you know, that's how I see it. Yeah. Right. But like, I think not understanding that there's an algorithm at play Yes, mm-hmm. is yes. very dangerous. Not understanding yeah. that, you know, what you see on your feed are, are folks that are either triggering you and the algorithm is there to have these people trigger, you know, trigger you or for folks to, you know, for, for you to see people that are, that are sharing like-minded ideas. So it's like, it's like a circle. It's like a bubble. And you think that the world exists, you know, based yeah. on, your, on, your, on your feed. And that's not, and that's not healthy. That's not... And, and all it does is just trigger us because when we meet someone that don't follow our ideals or aren't subscribing to the same feed that we have, we think that they're, they're lunatics, right. which is why in this country right now we're so divided because if you voted for this person, you must be, you know, you must be a racist. But think about it. Think if, if you voted for this person, you must be a socialist. Like there's no right. common ground. Think about it. Like back in the day, they used to have cocaine and Coca-Cola, right? And, and the... The analogy is social media is cocaine, mm. right? So eventually they took out the cocaine and the Coca-Cola, right? And I think eventually they're going to have to take out the cocaine and social media mm. because we haven't even learned that it is cocaine yet, right? We haven't learned the, the effects of it because it's so new. And, and you know, y- mm. you're going to have to take that out because it will destroy us mm. eventually. There's a great yeah. book called Digital Minimalism, and it talks mm. about how suicide rate suicide rates have gone up as a result of right. you know uh, internet use right you know especially amongst teens yeah you know and depression yeah yeah you know but the thing is that you as an coda you as an independent artist mm-hmm. this is important for you yeah. the way you navigate this space right yeah so it's like you have to be intentional of your own mental health Real and also shit. use it possibly as a transaction like I'm only mm-hmm. in there to post what I have to post and get the fuck out. Right. Is that the way you look at it? Man, honestly, bro, there's no... I don't think that exists. You know what I mean? I don't think that really exists. Like, um, like posting and getting out. You feel me? Like, it's a it's a trap, bro. Like, it's a, it's really a trap. And it's like, in order to... Um, You're so right. In order to uh, really master it, bro, it takes, like, it takes a lot of patience for yourself. This is why people just go cold turkey, you know? It's hard to balance social media because literally, as soon as you get on there, they they like you said the algorithms they they're gonna put something in your face to keep you on. Don't don't believe for a second that they don't know that you've been off social media for three months. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> they know. <laughs> you feel me? And their job is to keep is to bring you back. You know. So and and I don't even think that it stops at Instagram. You know what I mean? Our, our TV, we got smart TVs. Our TVs are listening to us. You know what I'm saying? You don't know what they're putting on. You know, and then your phone is just listening to you in general. So um, I think it's one of those things like you have to just have mastery over your brain, over your mind. You know, uh, in order to navigate social media in a way that doesn't completely destroy you. You know, because. Like you're on it, your friends are on it. Like everybody's, everybody's on it. Like people answer their Instagram DMs before they answer their texts, before they answer a phone call. <laughs> so like, I think it's it's very complex. And like you, when you said like about the cocaine, yeah. it's like 
and then to find out that sugar is way more addictive than cocaine. You know what I mean? Like, and that which is still in Coca Cola. You know, it's like the most addictive substance on the planet. Where it's just like it's legal, it's everything. Which is social media. It's legal. It's great, but it's fucking you up silently. You know, well not not so much anymore because now they have documentaries on it and all this shit. But um, I just think it's something that I think it's something that at some point you have to say goodbye to. You know. And I think that uh, people's like path and journey should be like, I I may not be able to get it off of it right now because this is how I'm making money, blah blah. Yeah. You have your reasons, you know. But I think at at some point you should be moving to getting away from it and moving back to yo. What was I doing before social media? How was I living? Um, how was I connecting with people? Because so, a tool that was meant to bring us closer together brings us so much farther apart. You feel mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. Like, it's really crazy. Like, even, like, Facebook started, like, MySpace started it, then Facebook. Now it's all, now look how many apps there are to connect with each other, you know, but everybody's so distant. Mm-hmm. If you realize, like, even talking about elections and stuff on Twitter and Instagram, you realize none of these conversations are progressive. You feel me? Like, none of them. Like, they're all going around in circles and hateful. Like, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. I could put on my Instagram right now, yo, I'm not voting. You know what that's gonna start? You know what kind you know what that's gonna cause in the world? Like people are gonna look people are gonna be like, bro, you're canceled, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just cause I just cause not cause I said uh fuck this or fuck that or whatever. Not cause I took a stance on abortion or whatever, like and I'm just naming random stuff, but like it's like just just cause I said you know, I'm not voting this year. Because you know, the thing is that yeah. people can always, you know, create a narrative, right? Right. By saying that you're not voting, people will say, "Oh, so you're, you are voting, in fact, to preserve the status quo." <laughs> exactly. Which is mm-hmm. the way it's looking right now in the Supreme Court. Right. Right. Is going to be done with. Mm-hmm. So by you not voting, you know. So, yeah. look, that's why you just have to navigate it yeah. intelligently, and sometimes, like, there's things that I want to say. Um, but I'm like, you know what? I don't want, I don't want, cause you know, sometimes I got time yeah. to go at folks on the social media, especially mm-hmm. folks that I adamantly disagree with. But, you know, I always think back and I say, no, there's better use of my time. Right. Yeah. There's better yeah. use of my time. And this is ongoing. You never have time. That's, that's, but that's the way I see it. You never have time. Like I never have time to argue with somebody on the internet. Like never, not even not even one time, you feel me? Like it just but doesn't make sense. That just annoys the shit out of you, but bro. nah, you know, <laughs> not not block, enough, them, not enough. I, I I do block people. I block people that come on my my Instagram comments that are speaking real negativity. Right. I block them. You feel me? Because it's like, why are you coming to me to speak negativity? I'm not coming. I don't come on people's uh, comments to be like, oh, you said this, blah blah. blah. Right. I don't do that. Right. Why? Because I have no business on your feed. Like when I come, when I post something, it's for the people that are following me. You feel me? And I'm trying to express. If I'm trying to express something, then that's what I'm trying to do. You know. But I don't need that. That's you know. People feel the need to protect their values. You know, to protect their image and say like they they need to kind of like stand up for themselves. I don't feel. I don't feel that need. You know, like. I, and I think that I've developed that because I think I used to argue with people. I used to argue with people in comment sections and that until I just learned like, bro, like you don't know me. You know what I mean? And on top of that, like, um, 
I know what I'm I know what I'm saying and I know why I'm saying it, you know? I'm not saying it from an uneducated place. I'm saying it because this is the shit that I mean, you know? And I don't need that negativity coming to me, you know? So while I don't at the at, while I don't um like bring negativity to other people on the internet, I don't like allow it to come to me. You feel me? If if it comes to me, then I'm gonna block it out. And once and you realize that by doing that, you didn't silence somebody. You feel me? Yeah. You silence them from the people that you're talking to, right. the people that you're speaking with. Right. And you can then have a positive dialogue with these people, and they have no power, bro. Mm-hmm. You feel me? And the Trumps of the world have no power. Right. Like they can't, they can't speak. It makes them heated. You feel me? Like when you silence the devil, the devil is just like, yo, I gotta find a new way in. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, and you gotta continue. Silence in it. I just find it sad, disappointing that mm-hmm. your son, for example, is going is going to grow up in a world where this is happening, and this is only uh, you know I don't want to be pessimistic, but I don't think this is going away anytime soon. Right. I think social media, I think the mm-hmm. internet is going to be used to divide people further and further. You know, yeah. like how can you control freedom freedom of expression? People are going to say whatever they're going to say. You know, I think in the last four years, we've seen that you can create anything out of thin air and have thousands of people believe it. Yeah, right, right. You know, so, you know, like, do you have a plan to to navigate the relationship that your son will have with the internet? Mm, that's yeah. a good question. I think already he hates, he, he doesn't necessarily like, you know, internet. And where a lot of kids are always on YouTube, He'll spend five minutes on it. He'll be like, bro, what are we doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are we really doing? Like, with our day, you know? Like, I'll be like, yo, Coda, please just get on YouTube for five minutes, please. <laughs> you feel me? Like, begging him, like, dude, because he's always really wants to do stuff. But I feel like um, it's not hard, you know? And this is, well, it's not hard for me, you feel me? Because for I have him, and he's not necessarily, if I take the phone from him, he's not going to cry, you know? Um, but... He want he wants to adventure, and I and I, you know, I'm in a position, a privileged position, where I can like show him other things, you know, show him the world and and take him places and like, you know, make sure that he's around, you know, things that will stimulate his brain, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like as even if you don't have a lot, you can still do that, you know, you can still stimulate your child's brain and un- let help him understand that, help her, him or her understand that there's more you know, to the world than these phones and these tablets and whatever, you know? It's just like, it's bring them back, you know? Be be authentic with it. Like, mm-hmm. it's not all about, it's not all about screens, bro. Like, right. and my I guess my main thing is just pushing him into into nature, you know? Yeah. And that's it, bro. I think that, Sedona, but I, I yeah, I think it'll work. <laughs> that's his favorite song, though. <laughs> it that's, is. That's, that's Coda's favorite I, song. I want to talk to you about that, but mm-hmm. but, you know, I just want to ask you one thing, because as you talk about your son, um, it, 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 I feel like there's a lot of insight that comes from being a father. Is there something that you can say that has truly has truly changed you um, since you've become a father? Mm. I mean, you see everything is black and white. Well, at least I did. I see everything is like black and white, you know, way less gray areas, you know, <laughs> in, in life. You feel me? Like... Uh, it's either I'm gonna do it or not. It's either I'm gonna be here or not. Like uh, I'm gonna spend time on this or or not. Like you know that's kind of when he was when he was born. It was like 
yo, I remember I remember the conversation I had with myself. I had like I gave myself ultimatums and I get I was like, yo, I got few paths. I was doing video at the time. I was like, you you gonna do video? I was I was like, either you're gonna do video and you know, go hundred percent with this, you feel me? Or you're gonna get a regular ass job and be a regular ass motherfucker. Mm. But you'll be happy at some you know, you'll be happy, you'll be raising your kid, you know, you're gonna you're still gonna focus on just being good. Mm. Or I'm gonna make music, which I love to do, and I find fulfillment in and I'm just gonna bust my ass for a year. And if it doesn't work out for a year, if I see no progression for a year, then I'll move to a different, you know, I'll move I'll do something different. And so I chose music, you know? And after, once I did that, I just never did anything else. I never looked back. I never looked to my side. Every, any romantic relationship I had, it stopped affecting me. You know what I mean? Like certain things just couldn't get to me like they could before, you know? Like nothing could distract me from my goal, which was making sure that he was um, financially stable and that we didn't have to worry about about food and diapers and things like that. Mm. Like when he was born, he got everything I had. He had everything I had because I had nothing. <laughs> you know, he everything I made from. I used to have to do videos because I wasn't making music. I wasn't making money off music at first, obviously. And I would just do a couple videos just to put diapers on his butt and <laughs> food and baby food and whatever he needed. You know, and um, like. It just got real easy because it's like you, like you said, you cut the fat, you know, you trim the fat. You feel me? Like, and you get to the point. I stopped thinking about even with music. I stopped thinking about fame and you know being like the most famous and trying to be the most seen and just like you know, because I feel like that's a lot of people's goal is to is when you get in music, they just want the most exposure. Yeah. But then when you really get into the nitty gritty and the dollar signs and everything, you're like. So I don't got to be that <laughs> to be good, you know? And once I realized that, my my trajectory went in a whole different path because it's just like, I'm not coming for that. I'm not coming for the fame. I want to make sure because I had him and because I wanted to make sure he was good, I stopped thinking. I didn't, I wasn't thinking that way, you know? I was thinking straight. My, 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 my goal was different than everybody else around me. And it made every decision that I made different, you know? And which leads me to where I'm at, where I'm like pretty successful as an independent artist, where a lot of people that are successful in music are signed. A lot of people that are even at my level, they're signed artists, you know? But I'm not signed only because of the, only because of him, you know? (laughs) Only because he showed me that Bro, like you, I'm almost talking like he's a little baby <laughs> telling me, telling me this, but it's, it's like him being born really told me, bro, like, you know what you want, you know what you got to get to, and it's not everybody else's path. Do your own thing and you're going to get there, period. You know what to focus on, dot, dot, you know, right. where distractions, fame is a distraction, yeah. all of that. It's all distractions from yeah. what you really want to get. It's yeah. just like financial um, security. You want to be a good uh, impact on the world, a positive influence on the world and the people that listen to you. And you can do all of that. And it's so simple when you stop letting the pressures of the world, you know, influence your movements, you know, because mm. there's so much going around that you think, I'm supposed to go this way. I'm supposed to go that way. And really, your path is just right there waiting for you. It's waiting for you, you know? And all the simplicity and all that, like, it's so much, it's so simple. 
that we don't see it. You feel me? It's right in front of us, mm-hmm. but we our brains are fogged by um, Instagram and Twitter and you know so many things that we see in TV, like mm-hmm. you know. And you know, it's funny that you say that because some would say that you being an independent artist, um, you're traveling the road less traveled. Yeah. Right. Um, but from what I get from you is that um, your level of self-awareness, uh, sense of family, and also sense of business um, makes your foundation strong. And unfortunately, a lot of folks don't have that foundation that you have. Right, right. Um, so I think you're blessed in that you move like that, but also, um, you know, when you talk about your parents, mm-hmm. you talk about your father being this person that was, uh, you know, uh, focused on business. You, you talk about your mother being, you know, pursuing her art. You talk about being a Jehovah Witness and, and being okay about, right. you know, traveling that, that uh, road less traveled. Um, I think all of that, you know, and obviously your talent, right, um, and your passion, I think that puts you in a pretty good spot to be an independent artist and to yeah. thrive the way that you're doing right now. Um, you know, I, I hope that you get everything that you deserve. Bro, bro I got it. I got everything. Talk. It, like, you know, it's crazy. People, they say that a lot. Like, yo, I really want him to, you know, do to get more exposure and get everything he deserves. I'm like, bro, I have it. If right. only you knew. <laughs> you know, if only you knew, like, every... And I've been saying this since before I was even where I'm at now, like, years ago. I never... Just, just at 100,000... You know, listeners on Spotify, I was like, bro, I'm good. Like, mm-hmm. and that's, I think that's part of the journey. You know, you have to, every step of the journey, you have to be like, yo, I could be here forever and I'll be all right, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, when you take that pressure off of yourself, you can then propel yourself far, like further. Like, I feel like I'm, I may get way bigger than this. I don't know. But where I'm at right now, bro, like it's like everything, you know. And I said the same thing a year ago, and like in a year before that. Like, I'll never forget the first time I made like eight thousand dollars. Like I saw eight thousand dollars in my account, and I remember being like, "Bro, I made it." <laughs> you feel me? Like just because, just from making any kind of money, you know? Because you know what that eight thousand dollars was for me? It was diapers for my kid. Food for like I don't know how many months, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like it was so much, and I I was so appreciative, you know. Yeah. So it's just like, um, and I'm appreciative for everything. My my mom, my dad, my aunts for giving us that foundation and giving us the. And my mom really gave us. My dad was just really ambitious. Like he was just he was always working. You know what I mean? Always we used to wait up for him to get out the office like two in the morning. I remember falling asleep in the car, waiting for him to come down so we could just go home. You know what I mean? And my mother was just this really like, bro, I don't need everything. You know what I mean? I don't need to have everything. Like I'm good with what I have. I'm a teacher. I love what I do. I'm able to, you know, see my kids, blah, blah, you know? And so just getting that like that like I don't need everything. Mm-hmm. You feel me? As long as as long as we're good, as long as we're happy and together, mm-hmm. you know, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I want to tell a story because we I remember um one time, you know, we were going through a rough patch in the family with financially and, mm-hmm. and I, I think I was I was in prep school at the time. I was like 13, I think you you might have been like 9 or something, mm-hmm. 10 to 9 or 8. And um we had to buy one of my aunt's old cars, right? It was like a 
Geo Prism, like a 1997. Yeah, I don't, I don't even right? think we bought it. I think I, she gave yeah, it to she us. Gave it. <laughs> yeah, she gave it to us, and that was our only whip at the time. And we had to drive to Boston to get it. Yeah, like yeah. we had to, we had to go to Boston to get the drink. But yeah, I remember. I was. I, I always think about this moment in time because we were in the car as a family driving somewhere, and and it was hot this day, bro. It's a long drive. It, it, it was it's like a long drive. It, it was like 110 degrees, uh, right? And we looking around, and we seeing everybody got their windows up with the AC on, but we didn't have no AC, right? So we in the car laughing as a family, like laughing, like bawling our ass off, like laughing about mm-hmm. this situation that we're in, because we knew it wasn't mm-hmm. permanent, right? Right, and 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 I think yo instilling that in us and being mm-hmm. able to laugh yeah. when you when you in those you know bottom situations mm-hmm. that's what allows you to thrive and, and, and continue you know the life that you're supposed to live I'll never forget that moment man that, you know just yeah. laughing yeah. as a family like, like I mean those are the moments that make you man yeah. like, like right. those memories drive you to like say you know what I never want to be in that situation again <laughs> you know that definitely even, drove even me even if I had to be there yeah. I would still laugh because yeah, I, you're gonna overcome it we, exactly you just yeah. exactly my thing was I ain't never being in that situation ever again <laughs> you know what I'm saying that's that's what's going on in my head you yeah. know yeah. so like yeah like yeah, I, I, I remember those days you know what I'm saying like it was it was definitely like we talking about um, now we dealing with COVID before it was recession you know what I mean like that was that hit Mad people, you feel me? And we felt it. But, like, it was crazy. Like, my, I look at the stuff my parents used to go through. Like, you know, like, I, they used to wake up, car be getting towed. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> like, like just and they just look at each other and laugh, you feel me? Like, it's just crazy stuff. But, you know, throughout everything, you got to keep going, you know? And I take, you know, even now, after those, after years and years of grinding, like, I'm talking about day in, day out, like, I think for like four years I didn't put my head I didn't put my head up. You feel me to see what was going on around me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's just like so much to do. You feel me? It's so much to to care for, whatever. But now that I'm looking up, I'm thinking about stories like that. You know, I'm thinking about uh, like how my parents have made it this far in their relationship. Because like I can't seem. It's like it reminds me of the it reminds me of the song. Um, uh, hey y'all, where he said, "Thank God for mom and dad for sticking two together because we don't know how." <laughs> you feel me? Like I'm starting to think about some of those lessons that our parents was teaching us. Like not even straight up, just from living, just just them being around. You know what I mean? And you learn from the mistakes. You know, it's, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. But like, yeah, having having grinded that hard, mm-hmm. and then after you kind of like. You look, you get up from your phone. <laughs> you look up. You been look. Imagine looking in your phone for four years, and then you look up, and you got to deal with life. Like, oh shit, this shit's scary. Like, <laughs> you know. So I, that's what that's where I'm at, and I'm learning from stuff like that. Yo, man, you know like, me? One of the worst experiences or feelings I ever have is, you know, I'm on social media or on the internet, you know, down a rabbit hole. And all of a sudden, I realize that I'm tired. I'm too tired to actually do work. Word, And I word. feel like, but, you know, if you don't think about it, if you don't process it, you think that you've had a productive day because you feel tired. Yeah. Like, because your brain feels right, like it's right. done something. Mm. Yo, he, he, he's he's spitting right now. Yeah, he's spitting. It's crazy. He's spitting. Crazy. Yeah. But, yeah. but Vern, you know, yeah. so you grew up, obviously, in the same household as Kodo, right? As I shockingly... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Again, I have, to, I have to keep talking about how surprised I was. Um, was it your father that instilled in you this this drive to, to, to build infrastructure, to purchase properties? Because you've been 
You've been talking about entrepreneurship and, and just building generational wealth since I met you. Word. I mean, it's, it's a spiritual thing for me, man. You know, generational wealth, the, the concept of generational wealth. And, you know, my parents, again, they, they had the foresight to get me into a program with the boys mm-hmm. with the boys club of New York where I was able to get a scholarship to prep school in Massachusetts and you know that prep school was $40,000 a year mm-hmm. and there was no way I was going to pay for that and you know the the experiences that I've had have followed me to where I'm at today but while I was in prep school you know I'm in school with with international princes and mm-hmm. and the kids of senators and just the creme de la creme of America go to these prep schools. And, and you know, what I what I would always do is ask my classmates, hey, what do your parents do? Like, what are they doing? Like, how you how are you able to pay $40,000 a year to come here, right? And what I started seeing was a theme that everybody owned real estate. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a part of, it was a part of the, I guess, the, the structure of their family. Mm-hmm. It was just a thing that they did, and, mm-hmm. and it, was, it was how they gained their wealth. And... From there, I knew from an early age, from like 14, I said, yo, I'm going to get into real estate when I get between high school and college. And once I got into it and really understood the concept of it and was able to get my entrepreneurial you know, armor mm-hmm. when I got into the game, um, it, it shaped my life. And I knew that the way that we're going to elevate as a family is going to be through wealth. And I think about our wealth as a family right now, you know, our great-grandfather bought a uh, 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 brownstone in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, in the 1960s. A G. A, a G. A G. You know? <laughs> a G. And, yo, bro, he bought he it. A G, and he probably he, bought it. For he, a G. Yeah, bro, he <laughs> bought it for ten thousand dollars on a on a on a rent to own plan. That joint, we still own it today, and it's worth over two million. You know, and and I think about my our parents. They bought a crib in Car- in Clinton Hill twenty years ago, twenty plus years ago, and on the corner you had a, a rat infested. <laughs> Like warehouse across the street, you had a you had a drug house, you know, and it took vision. Bro. It took vision to 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 realize those things, and ninety nine point nine percent of our wealth as a family comes from real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and it, it, I, I, I that that's what kind of clicked with me. I'm like, all right, so let me let me take what my great grandfather did, you know, our other great grandfather, and I just learned this recently other great-grandfather um, owned property down south and he was one of the only black people who rented um, his land to both white and black folk mm. you know so we I feel like it's in us mm-hmm. to do it but we we here to elevate Avery owns two buildings I own a building I'm in contract for another one in Brooklyn so we we kind of like taking the torch as I think leaders of the family as a whole because nobody else has property that they don't live in except for us mm-hmm. You know, so it, this is this is our way to elevate, mm-hmm. and it's the only way I see it. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't see any other way, you know, to do it. Yeah. Listen, man. You know, I think I told you. I'm sorry, because this Oban just hit me kind of hard. <laughs> <laughs> you guys like it? I love it, bro. Yeah, I love it. I'm taking it slow, though. I'm taking it slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel know, me? I, yeah. I try to, I try to, you know, pour some. I was like, nah, like good, right? relax, relax, just chill. <laughs> We're having a good conversation here. But um, so, you know, I think I told you, Vernon, um, you know, I grew up in Harlem. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in a building where um, back in the 80s when Harlem was like, <laughs> you know, burning down, literally, right? Literally. Um, the landlord went bankrupt and he mm. gave um, the tenants an opportunity to actually rent to buy, right? Um, so my mother took that opportunity and thankfully she owns 
of her co-ops. Nice. Right? Beautiful. So, okay. And at this time, across the street, there, it was literally a junkyard. A junkyard. People just threw their trash there. Damn. Right? Um, so you would imagine that the property value at that time wasn't pretty high, right? Um, there was a, a, an older lady uh, who actually took care of me when I was young, decided to uh, retire to the Dominican Republic. So my mother pushed me to purchase that apartment. Mm. Um, and so, you know, at the time, I just got back from college. You know, I was, I just finally got a job. I was tired of being broke for, for four or five mm. years, you know. Like, I wanted to just be out there just partying, going on dates, you know, just like living my Being a kid, dream. yeah. yeah. You know, like, finally, right? Finally, finally. Man, living the dream. But, but then she was like, no, you have to save and you have to purchase this. I'm telling you. So whatever, I did it. I took her advice. Um, fast forward 10 years, that junkyard became a luxury apartment rental mm. with concierge, with a gym, with a garage. And when I tell you the property value tripled. Easy. Easy. And it's only going to go up, right? So again, that's money, that's wealth working for you while you're sleeping. Right, yeah. You know, and I, I think that message is appropriate, and, and, and I think a lot more folks need to hear it. Um, you know, especially with the access of, uh, you know, there's a lot of programs out right now for low-income folks that are trying to purchase property. Like, make yourself aware of these things. Yeah. Make yourself aware of these things. But we're in the pandemic. I'm interested in your thoughts as to the moratorium and how that affects real estate now because you know governor cuomo uh you know the state legislature uh passed a law that tenants can't be evicted if they're not paying rent what are what are your views on that so my my views on investing in multifamily have been the same for the past you know since i got in a game and i've i've been a really big advocate for affordable housing mm. and, and section eight and you know these different subsidized programs mainly because the rent is guaranteed mm. right so for me, you know, I, I've um, I have subsidized un- subsidized tenants in all my all my uh, built in all the building, right? right and it's that. it's purposeful because I was able to collect rent throughout this whole process, right? And if if that wasn't the case, bro, I, I would have been hurting hard, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's why I'm thinking, look, we come together. We purchase the, these multifamily properties, put people in it who need housing. Right. Like, first of all, the, you know, I got, I got a tenant who came from a shelter, you know, and there's a program called NYC FEPS where NYC FEPS pays for the whole year up front mm. for the rent. And then they guarantee the rent for five years, mm. right? So it's like, it's like, yo, you've given people an opportunity to, and she, she has a little boy who's growing up. And I'm thinking, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I'm able to give this young boy a great environment to grow up in and at the same time guarantee my rent. Right. Yo, bro, it's a win-win all around. Mm-hmm. So that, when it comes to the memor- moratorium, you know, I, I have friends who own buildings who are hurting because people are taking advantage of, you know, not paying the rent. I mean, come January, they're going to be you know, evicted, evicted right, unfortunately. But, but you're not gonna. You're probably not gonna see that money. You're probably no. You're probably right. not gonna see that money. You right. know, that's the reality of it. Yeah. But it's a reality of of the business too. Right. And that's why. That's why. Look, you know, I'm all about that affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Do good, yeah. make good money. Yeah. yeah. What's better than that? You know? Right. Right. Of course. You know? Of course. You know, and I think now, especially you know, New York State, right, being a very 
tenant friendly um, yeah. you know state where you know before uh, you know land uh, property owners could have charged two to three months in advance as as a security deposit right right right, right. that's not the case I believe right. it's only one month now you know there was one time and I know I'm putting my information out there but I was renting I had moved to Brooklyn and I was renting out that you know that co-op and I put it on Craigslist I didn't go to a broker's or whatever and I had a whole bunch of people contact me. And I, and I told each and every one of them, you know, I told them that I was an attorney so that, you know, they don't try any slick shit, that I was doing a background check um, to see if you've done, if, if you've been evict- evicted before, if you've had any issues, um, you know, and, um, and how your credit is, obviously, that's important. Um, but I remember there was one uh, prospective tenant that came at me and said, I will give you eight months up front mm. right now. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, speaking of that list, I think, uh, I think we're fine. I think, uh, I think we could go forward. <laughs> I think we could go forward right now. Time out. Is that legal? So at the time, it was. Oh. Now, I'm, I'm that kind of tenant. <laughs> that's, that's who I was. <laughs> like, my credit? <laughs> don't even worry about that. <laughs> here's the bread. <laughs> yeah, here's the bread. Here's the don't, don't check that. Yeah. 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 Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. But again, like, there's a lot of things that property owners could do back in the day that they can't mm. do now. So yeah. it's even, you know, it just makes a lot more sense to get into for affordable housing. Right, uh, right. You know, it's, be protected. It's, a, it's a pandemic too. Affordable housing is a, is an epidemic in, in our country, right? We we gotta, we we have to attack it because, yo, people are in the streets out here. Right. Yeah. It's getting worse. It's getting worse and worse. But to think that there's more, there's more, um, like vacant homes than there are homeless. You right, know, right. that's a problem in right. America. You feel me? Right. That's a, King problem, <laughs> you know. So it's a double good. Yeah. One, you're building your wealth, and two, you're uh, insuring homes for folks that have low income. Right. right? Yeah. And you're also discouraging the process of them getting displaced. Yes. It's a win-win. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's a win-win. Um, Coda, I want to talk about your journey, your evolution as an artist, because it, it wasn't like you just woke up one day, started rapping, mm-hmm. started talking about Colorado. <laughs> you know. Um, as someone like myself, who, uh, and I, I told you this before, uh, who just started embracing his creative spirit, um, I'm interested to know when you started to discover your own talent. How old were you? And, um, and, and how did that, you know, what did that do to you? Um, I don't even remember. Like, I think early on... I remember we doing like you know we used to have a whole bunch of fun at, at the at the house with everybody and we used to like we used to do concerts like we used to I remember we used to act we used to play Apollo you feel me we used to play like we were doing a, the Apollo you know what I'm saying so it's and it was like a banister and that was the love you rub, you rub the love you feel me rub the love <laughs> we rub the love and then we do whatever our talent was. And my thing was always like even before I had I because I, I the first instrument I played was trumpet, mm. and before but before I did that we were playing Apollo in a crib and singing and dancing and whatever it was that we were seeing on TV you know, and that was my thing every time I would do Apollo I would be singing a song or rapping a song or whatever, and early on I never actually 
my aunt just told me the story again. She was like, um, y'all, well, I know we used to rap into a tape recorder. We used to have this, my aunt had, remember, because when you're a kid, you're looking at, you're finding stuff, you know, you're just, you're taking stuff down, you're, yeah. you're going in closets, and I'll never forget one day, me and my cousin Derek, we found a, 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 a answering machine, <laughs> you feel me? And what we used to do is we used to put a tape in, and we used to record ourselves on the answering machine, you know what I'm saying? Like... And we would record, like we would play a beat, and then we would record, like on a on a um like what was it called? <laughs> what was it? A radio? It was like a it was like a little radio that played CDs. Yeah. And we we played a beat, and then we would record ourselves on our instrument machine and run it back, and be like, ah, nah, it's hard, like you know. <laughs> and um, we the first beat I ever rapped on was Jay Z in my lifetime, and I remember mm-hmm. I I did I did the verse, and then. My cousin went downstairs screaming. He was like, he was like, Mom, 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 Avery's gonna be famous. Oh <laughs> you <God>. feel me? <laughs> Avery can rap, you feel me? Like, like he can rap. He can really rap, Mom. Like, and that was we were young, like we were like eight years old, you know? And hold on, he's your cousin? Yeah, he's my cousin. Yeah, so now he's my opposite. publicist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the opposite of shout Kanye's out De- story. Shout out, yeah. Derek, shout out Derek. Shout out Derek. That's the opposite of Kanye's story when he was like, Remember that cousin that told me I was never gonna make it on TV? Yeah. yeah. Like, he actually said He Derek said it. He actually said you're gonna you're gonna make it. He said he said, Yo, he's gonna be famous. And we're we're in the single digits, right? You know, in yeah. age right now, you know? So like that, I didn't. I still didn't see it like that, you know. But um, then I I got to elementary school, started playing trumpet, you know, and then uh, junior high school, you know, furthered it. Like I was always skilled at it, you know. Even we, my uncle Russell, he was um, he played the steel pan, you know, because he was Trini. So he like steel pan was a big part of his life. You feel me? And I was mad interested in that. Like every time I would come over, like. My cousins, they weren't really interested like that. They would do it. It was something they had to do, you know? Yeah. But when I, whenever I would come over their house, I was, like, into it, you know? I just, fuck what everything else is going on. Like, this still pan is, is interesting, you know what I'm saying? It was, like, it was something for me to tinker with and, you know, spark my creativity. And through junior high school, just um, I just excelled with trumpet, got into programs, Manhattan School of Music, Juilliard, whatever, and then um, by the time I got to high school, it was like blooming. You know what I mean? It was like boom. Let's let's really see what this is about. Started playing guitar, bass, whatever. Uh, I was playing guitar, the bass, the trumpet still. Um, and then when I got to college, started producing and figuring, meeting people that were doing others. I started playing weird instruments like the ukulele and you know and the keyboard and all that. And then uh, once I dropped out, that was it. You feel me? Yes. That was they. That now we putting everything together and making a musical gumbo and doing something that has never been seen before. You know, right, right, right. and it was just it was definitely like a slow process, and I'm grateful for it. You know, that's awesome. So, so I know you were a fan of Kanye. Right? Oh, big fan. Right. Big fan. Were you that much of a fan that you also dropped out? Or? Huh? Nah, that wasn't <laughs> it. I just hated school personally. I always hated. You know, I was in my um my freshman year, first semester. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I always hated school. You know, so um, and I think it was more of like the social aspect of it. You feel me? I hated it, right. but uh, I just dropped out because it was time. I was right. like, I'm done. But Kanye was definitely. He was just. 
uh, I remember you you were telling stories about how like you met Kanye in a yeah. mall and stuff. Like he, I was I was a mega fan. Mm. I remember the moment I heard a, a Kanye song. We were in VIM. <laughs> we were in VIM. Yes. You know the shoe store. And back in the day, I don't know. We was real broke, so we used to spend days in the VIM. You know what I'm saying? Days in like looking at stuff, acting like they wanted to buy it when they really didn't. Hours like at a time and. We used to just, I remember All Falls Down kept playing on the, you know, mm, on the awesome. thing. It kept playing on it. And I'll never forget, that was the first song that I actually heard by myself that I was like, yo, I really like this song. Like, you know, it touched me as a person. And it just, it's, it's, I never, I never forget the feeling of that song. And then watching the music video and then reading the credits to, it's like, that's that song. Kanye West, All Falls Down, boom. You feel me? And... It was beautiful. Yeah. 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 You know, that that college dropout album was a game changer for me. Yeah. Like it was like it gave me something spiritual. It wasn't only lyrical. It was just the way he talked about himself in his self-deprecating mm-hmm. fashion. Uh, I've never seen before. Right. And um and you know, for him to come out with Jesus Walks as his like hit single, he was just doing everything different. I mean, for him to come out with a polo on. Yeah, you know, a, a pink polo. I felt like, yeah, like he was doing okay. it different. Yeah, he was like, different. I, I own a pink polo. <laughs> like, okay, Kanye. You know, he's talking about fraternities. I was involved in fraternities. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, and that's why you know, and and I, I think it's in your song Myrtle, which is which is my favorite song. Mm-hmm. It was like, I think you said something about, um, you know, all we wanted to do was a cop the bands and listen mm-hmm. to old. Yeah, yeah, all I wanted to do, all I wanted to do is get a gold chain. Be in the bands bumping oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, bro, that lyric hit me so much because again, I was such a big fan of Kanye. Um, and I knew exactly what you were saying, so much so that um when I first graduated from law school and after putting in some time working for someone, uh, I decided to go out on my own. Mm-hmm. And when I went out on my own, I was able to purchase the the whip that I've always wanted as a little kid, which was a Benz convertible mm. SL. Damn, so that shit hit you for real. <laughs> that was personal. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Seats. Ooh, I remember that joint. Yeah. 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 I was a different man at that. <laughs> I remember, I remember, bro. I'm different. I now. remember. I'm different now. I'm, I'm different, different now. now. I'm <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know, and and when you said that, I was like, wow, like this kid, like I'm fucking with his music because you know I'm I'm sharing this with you now. There were several times where I would be driving that car, knowing everything that I've been through to get to that point, mm-hmm. all the schooling, you know, coming from my tough environment, um, being able to like even afford the car, put myself in a position to like thrive as an attorney um and i would blast spaceship mm. i would be driving around with glassy eyes bro it was real yeah it was real brother like uh, or i wonder you know i know that wasn't the first album but i wonder is a when, when you want to talk about ambition and like wanting to achieve dreams it was Kanye, bro. Dude. It was Kanye. Bro, you could feel the hunger. You could feel the hunger in those albums, bro. bro. Like it, yeah. it, it spoke to your spirit. Yeah. You know, very yeah. few artists have, have done that. Yeah. It was, it was inspirational, bro. Like, yeah, he, you know what it is. It's like he took, he, he painted on, on the canvas the way he wanted to, like, and it was completely different than what everybody else was doing. You know, yeah. he, he wasn't talking about drug shit. He wasn't talking about gang shit. 
he was talking about what he knew, which was grinding and music. And, you know, all of this. I mean, he talked about Chicago and the things that was happening, but it came from a different perspective right. that a lot of other people were able to relate to. You know, right. we were able to relate to it because it's like, yeah, we're not, I'm not, you know, I can listen to Jay, and even though I understand what he's saying, you know, from listening to him so much and peeping the contest clues and learning about it, it's like we understood what what Kanye was saying, face value, like yeah. right there. Like exactly. he said it one time, I get it. You right. feel me? Like where Jay was speaking in more code that we didn't necessarily understand off jump. You feel me? Yeah. But Kanye was speaking in a code that we understood completely, you know? Right. So Yeah. And you bring up Jay Z and you know, and you also being from Brooklyn, um, you know, and me being from Harlem, I was highly influenced by Jay Z. You also had the influence of the charismatic Biggie mm-hmm. or the hardcore MOP. Um, those were the influences that, that you had around you, right? But, uh, you know, I found out that you also had uh, a taste for uh, the Beatles. You had, mm-hmm. you know, for, for Jay Dilla, like, you know, folks that weren't from your local neighborhood. Right. Um, how did that come about? Like, who exposed you to that? LimeWire. <laughs> LimeWire changed my life. Like, I don't think we didn't really have a lot of um, musical influences around us, like, firsthand, you know? Mm-hmm. It was more uh, so, you know. It, we were doing, we were watching BET and MTV, and that's where we getting all our stuff from. But if you're watching BET and MTV in, you know, '99, you're not necessarily learning about the Beatles, you know. And if you we don't come from, <laughs> you know, we come from black people <laughs> that, that listen to, you know, Mary J and the, the Commodores and the OJ's, yeah. and you know what I'm saying. So like, um, I think. Just when LimeWire came about, it was perfect for me because me and my addictive personality, because I was like, boom, I have this tool where I can literally type something in and find everything, you know, every piece of music, whatever. Like, and that shit opened up the world for me. I used to I used to spend hours on the Internet not doing anything except for finding music, bro. Like. I used to dedicate a day. I used to dedicate days just to finding music. Like, and I would, I mean, whole catalogs. I would type in the Beatles, and I didn't care what the song said. Download, 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 all the way down the list. And I would do the same thing for Dilla, for um, uh, Lupe Fiasco, uh, Kanye. Yo, I used to, I remember we being on the um, Rockefeller website, listening to um, snippets of, late registration <laughs> back like way back before when nobody was even on the Rockefeller website right. you know and to find out that some of the songs that were on the snippets it the beat had changed on the final version on the album and you know what I mean it's just like so I knew like at the time like my intellect with music like I knew things that people didn't know you know even like songs that are coming out now is like new songs like a Lupe song, or whatever. I'm listening to. Him, I'm like, bro, this came out in two. This was out in 2006, bro. You're wilding. Like, what are you talking about? But like that, LimeWire opened up the world for me. I learned about the Beatles. I learned of any any band that you could think of. I was listening to everything. Like literally every, country music, bro. <laughs> like I wanted to. As soon as I heard a name, it was like forget it. You know what I mean? So when I when I heard names, whether it was the Fray or you know, everything Biggie, everything Tupac. Mm-hmm. I used to just, I used to devour this knowledge. Like, I used to take it in like it was like the Bible, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, 
And then I would listen to it. I would have my head. You, you remember, he used to tell me, yo, why you got your headphones on so loud? Like, you're going to go deaf. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'll be like, you don't get it. I'm lost right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm immersed in this, you know? So, yo, I always, and I don't care what, I don't care about nothing. Like, music industry bullshit. Without LimeWire, we wouldn't be where we at today. Like, a lot, it, yeah. Yeah, 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 and a lot of kids, a lot of, and I feel like this. I'm not, I don't think I'm special. Like, there's a lot of kids just like me that this was their first time being able to get their hands on records. You feel me? Yeah. Like for real. I remember my uncle used to um buy bootleg CDs. Oh yeah, <laughs> uncle yeah, Omar. Yeah, yeah. He used to buy bootleg CDs. I used to beg him every time I saw him. I was the biggest bug in the world. I'd be like, bro. Get me that jagged edge CD, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and every time I see him, before I even say hi to him and give him that, I'd be like, yo, you got that? You got that for me? And he always be like, yo, hey, I don't got it, bro. I don't got it. I might get it next time, though. You know, but that's how crucial it was, you know, for me to get that. So as soon as LimeWire came out, I stopped asking him for anything. I was like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, Unc. I got it. I already got it. What you need? <laughs> you feel me? Yo, two things. One, Lupe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, great, super, great. Super, like, yeah. underrated, extremely talented. Like, his first two albums, I devoured it. Mm-hmm. Food and Liquor. Who's he? You know, the Food and Liquor, too. Oh, my Classic. God. Classic. We're going to have to listen to that on listen, the way back. Listen, oh, my God. American Terrorists, you know. Yeah. Second, a Jacket Edge, they have the worst love song of all time. Which one? Let's Get Married. We, we just, we're just getting older. <laughs> Let's just do it. Worst love song of all. Why you say that? Why you say that? It's real talk though. Let's bro. get married. We, we're not getting any younger. Let's just do it. But you got it's it's all in context, you feel me? It's all in context, you dig? You gotta think about it, bro. He's saying he's saying that he's saying that um him and his girls ready for that, you feel me? Not everybody necessarily ready for that, you feel me? Like, you know? Where it's 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 like the argument is not valid. When you say it just like that, let's get married, we ain't getting no younger. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? I can't talk to anybody like that. You feel me? Yeah. <laughs> it has to be a specific person, you know? But I will forever defend Jagged Edge, so be careful what you say <laughs> in this interview. That's hilarious. You know? That's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. You know, look, I like it. They have a bounce. All, all their songs have a bounce. But um, also, I remember um, listening to hip-hop growing up. Um, and not having too much of, uh, you know, I guess diversity of, of music, not having the Kanye's, not having the Lupe's. You know, I, I grew up to, for the most part, gangster rap. Yeah. Right, you know, right. I mean, in the yeah. beginning, I, I caught, uh, you know, I caught Tribe Called Quest. Poof. You know, in the yeah. beginning, which I was a huge fan of. But then all of a sudden it became, uh, you know, Onyx. You know, throw your guns in the air. Yep, the DMX came right. from DMX, Smith and Wesson. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know who I was a big fan of, like early stages, Brooklyn native, a beautiful cadence, spoke clearly, and he delivered all the time. Big Daddy King. I ain't that old. Got the hairs, and he's telling me Big Daddy King. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, no, 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 no. Ooh, you gotta let me know. Who I'm interested. Fabulous, huh? Ooh. Fab. I, I don't know, man. Come on. Brooklyn so, native, good cadence. No, nah, man. So, all right. So, you know, we're talking about the nineties. We're leaning okay, in. Okay, we're yeah, leaning yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. the nineties. Yeah. All right. He was. Uh, oh, you want us again? He, he was smooth. Biggie. 
with it before Biggie. Damn. He was a legend. He was a legend. He was a Brooklyn legend. Brooklyn legend. He was, so he's gone now. I mean, like, he didn't die. He oh, okay, just, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, he right. just faded away. This is interesting. Yeah, man. I, and he was clear. Stopped, like, his cadence bro. was slow. He was articulate. I mean, not articulate. Where Slick was, Rick? No, no, no. I would say Big L, but that's Harlem. I'm yeah. Right, Black Moon. Black Moon? Okay, okay. I've heard of him. Never really heard of him. Black but Moon? I know what you're Black Moon, um, yeah, you know, don't front. You know, I got your open. Check the dialect from the diaphragm, my man. Okay, I got I got some homework to do. Yes, yes. I got homework. Black Moon, right. you know what? And and whenever I, I listen to you, um, I think like, wow, like it, it's so underestimated how powerful clear language is right you know like i feel like when i listen to you i can listen to what you're saying mm -hmm. I, I know what you're saying like you're not mumbling you're not speaking too fast you know um you're just clear man and and i get it i get the message and i appreciate that you know and um black moon was someone that gave you the message and, and you understood it um he wasn't screaming at you he was calm mm -hmm. you know it's almost like you know like a regular co you know conversation, but in music format. Like when when someone is screaming at me, I'm tuning I'm tuning them out. Like right, you know, right. I get triggered by people screaming at me. <laughs> but it's even it's even at the concerts, yo. Like I mean, we go to a lot of different concerts and we've seen a lot of people. But in in his concerts, you can hear him. You can hear right. him. It's like you're saying, you can hear the words. Right. Most most rappers are holding the mic with the. They got the mic on the front, and you you hear them muffling, and mm -hmm. it's like it's not a good performance. You can't mm -hmm. really hear them, and and that's me and my dad. We talk about that all the time. How like it, it's important to right. be able to hear them. Yeah, like, yeah. like you want to digest right. that. Yeah, you know, and 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 you know, and you want people to also um, say your lyrics. Yeah, right. Yeah. You're like, oh, Coda said that because I understood what Coda said. Right. You know, as as opposed to like mumbling some shit. You know, how many lyrics people are saying. Did he say this or did he say that? All the time. And then bro. they'll ask the artist like 20 years later, and they don't what even did know. you say? And the artist was like, I don't know what I said. Yeah. You know? I didn't say anything. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. Yo, don't ask me that, bro. Yo, Trying to crack the code. <laughs> you know, you know but, um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, again, a big fan of Jay-Z. Um, now, I must say, though, um, as, as someone that wanted to embrace his creativity, it was kind of hard for me to like focus on, 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 you know, at the time, for example, I heard this lyric, I heard this verse, this Jay-Z verse while I was at the library, uh, you know, and I was, and I was studying and, um, and I'm like, all right, like I'm gonna take my time. I'm gonna devour this material. I want to do well in my exam. And I'm actually interested in what I was reading. I think I was reading something related to anthropology, which is okay. about different cultures. Right. Right. And I was like, oh, this would be a good book for me to read, especially smoking with weed, whatever, you know, really get into it. Um, and then I heard the verse from Jay um, while I was at the library at 11 something p.m. And the verse was, being broke is immature and I'm quite grown. Mm. I didn't want to continue. While you at the, he said, while you at the ball watching the fight, you at, while you at the club watching, um, screaming the fights on him in the 1500 seats watching Tyson. Exactly. <laughs> I think that was the verse. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I'm here sitting in the library at 11 o'clock with a Bustelo mm. and a coffee-stained hoodie on, right? Right. Someone is telling me, all right, yeah, 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 I get what you're doing. That's cute. You're reading a couple of chapters of some cute stuff. But if you're broke, that's kind of immature, yeah. you know? 
you know, yeah. step it up, right? So again, you know, this it was this like ambition to like make money, and I've already ca- I already came from that, right? So I felt that Buffalo, get, you know, getting away for school provided me that outlet where I was like, okay, you know, let me just focus on a craft. Let me focus on, you know, academics, something that wasn't going to give me an immediate return, but yeah. it was an investment. Um, but you know, I'm not blaming Jay Z for me not pursuing, you know, any form of creativity, right? But it didn't help, right? And 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 then going back to Harlem, and and also again seeing this, you know, this culture of like getting money, getting money, um, and we want it now. That culture, what I was exposed to, gives me gives me enough information, enough knowledge to say. That what Coda's doing now is very necessary. Yes. Very necessary. The same way Kanye was necessary for us, mm-hmm. you know, you are necessary for many young men out there that don't want to fit a certain profile. You know, you know, someone that wants to travel the world. You know, you talk about so many different places. I want to ask you about that. Why mm-hmm. is it that you have destinations as 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 so many of, of your uh, song titles? Yeah, I think because like being in the city, it's, it's, it feels trapped. You feel trapped a lot, you know? And so like I always wanted to travel the world. It's always a thing of mine. Like I've named a lot of my songs after cities that I've never been to, <laughs> you know? Just because like I, I named my song Colorado. It's like my biggest song to date. Like I've never, I, w- I didn't go there at the time. You know, at the time I'd never been there. It was only like my idea of it, you know, I was speaking on my idea of Colorado, of what what it would be like. Wow. Like it was like all manifestation. And a lot of times I wouldn't name a song. Every time I would name a song something, I probably never been there at the, when I would made the song. And it was just because I had these dreams, you know? And I feel to this day, I'm very careful about what I say in my music because I am manifesting things, you know? And it's rare that I say something in my music that doesn't happen in real life, you feel me? And that has made me even more cautious about what I say, you feel yeah. me? Like, you say that, and um, it just brings, it just stirs in me something that I've believed for a long time. Um, it, it, you know, you have to watch what you say. You are affirming, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, your life. Whenever I hear of a young rapper, uh, you know, getting killed, you know, it, it, it really angers me. Um, and it also saddens me, but it angers me because the words that you speak matter. Big Smalls, you know, I'm yeah. ready to die. Right, you right, know, right. And all of a sudden he gets yeah. killed. Or, you know, um, you know, Pop Smoke in, in, in L.A. And, and yeah. he was talking about, you know, in his music he spoke a lot about guns. And, you know, and I, I get it. You know, that's a reality for some folks. And that's probably his truth, right? But, like, also understanding, okay, that can be your truth. But know what you're putting out there in the world, man, yeah. because it's so detrimental and it could come back to you. You yeah. know, you know, if if you think people are full of shit, then the world is, is gonna continue being full of shit for you. If you think people if you give people the benefit of the doubt, if you feel that people are genuinely good, I think the world is gonna treat you better. That's just how I how I see it. You know, I may be wrong. I may be full of shit, but that's how I really see it. So, um, yeah, man, I just went on a rant right there. But Manifestation. Nah, manifestation is real. And honestly, bro, while we're on that topic, I think that's uh, like Jay-Z, our long-term favorite, you know, forever favorite. Like, that's something that he does all the time in his music, you know? Like, I feel like um, 
even you see how he he kind of evolves with yes. every album. You feel me? Yeah. It's like where uh, I think a lot of artists they just stay on that same tip. You feel me? Like if you if if you're not in the hood anymore and you're not necessarily shooting up spots anymore. You gotta mature out of that. You gotta move away from that. Whereas like that may have used to be that probably was you, but it doesn't have to continue being you, you know? And I feel like um one thing he's always done is like moving forward. You know, where even his latest album, four four four, was like the most I'll never forget not knowing what I was gonna hear from four four four, you know? And being like, ah, right, what's this gonna be? You know, because I didn't really care for his last couple releases. I was like, eh, they got dope songs, but it's not necessarily blueprint, you feel me? And when he dropped four four four, it kind of like, you know, I was like, bro, this is better than everything, anything he's put out. You feel me? Because he put the hood lifestyle in a way that um, allowed, like, made room for improvement right. for everybody. It's just like, bro, like we can mature into this. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he's telling people in in the story of OJ, like. You need to buy the block and rinse it. You feel me? Like that's how you rinse it. Like so, uh, it's, it's, when I listen to stuff like that, that that helps me. Even it inspires me to even push it forward. You know, now I can. It's like hearing him talk like that from where he was talking about reasonable doubt, where it's more like he was in it. I'm in the drug shit. I'm doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel like artists, other artists, have to learn from that. Like, and be like. Yo, I may have done that, cause personally, I ain't never sold drugs on no crazy level or did whatever. But he, that's that's a lesson that they can learn from. I think four four four, where it's like, bro, yeah, I've done this, but there's more, there's space for growth, and I don't necessarily have to be in this forever. And it is sad that kids are still dying from, uh, and they're being this success. These are successful kids, like yeah. making millions of dollars off of music, illegal, something very legal. But they still fall victim to gun violence and drugs and all that. And it's like, bro, you have to understand that you're not there anymore, you know? Like, you deserve to live a long life. Right. Like, and I think that's some that's something that he mastered. You know, he was like, Bro, I'm I'm here, but I'm gonna keep on maturing and you know, I mean, my money is clean now and you have to keep on leveling up. You cannot that's part of what our grandma used to say. You never stay stagnant. Yeah. Even though she was talking about physicality and physical health, you just never stay stagnant in life and anything. You keep on moving. You keep on going forward. You feel yeah. me? Yeah. And, and you know, just to touch on, um, just lastly on, on Jay-Z, one of the reasons why I've always kept up with him is because of this evolution that you speak mm -hmm. of. And also, he dropped so many gems that he brought almost everyone along. Right, right. right. Even those that didn't agree with, you know, the drug culture that he was talking about or, you know, um, or, or just like, you know what, it need be, you know, I may have to get, get street or, you know, or mm -hmm. going after other artists, right? Um, you know, I felt that Jay-Z is an extremely intelligent man, right? Yeah. But when he, when he, when he made that verse, um, which one was it? He said, um, you know, I've always wanted to rhyme like common sense but after I did five mil, I didn't rhyme. I'm like common sense. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Let me put myself in Jay Z's shoes for a second. Mm. Let me not. Let me stop being the self-absorbed, short-sighted. Uh, you know, like let me let me put myself in that situation yeah. and say, okay, this is what I can possibly do. Um, another verse. Um, damn, it's not coming to me right now. But uh, it, it's about 
you know, damn, it's one of my favorite verses. Something about being poor and rich. Mm, you talking um, about nickels and dimes? Uh, yeah, it, he said something about um, poor and rich, um, and then then he, then he talks about like how his mind is spinning. Uh, yeah, so I'll, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe it'll come up to me, yeah. but mm-hmm. but again, Jay Z has many many uh, rhymes that kind of like brought me along his journey yeah. and helped me understand life through his eyes, um, and that's what an artist does. Right? Yeah, he's on a journey. You feel me? Yeah, and that's yeah. I think that's a real artist. Like he's on a he's on an actual journey, and he's taking you along with him. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that yo, I that's I did subconsciously knew that. You know, it's like I felt it. I was like, yo, man, like. He, this dude is really, you know, he's really in this place that he's speaking on, you know? Right, right, and right. I think every artist, every artist does that, you know? One line that, that really just always stuck to me is, something about the struggle is so sublime. You know, <laughs> he, he's, talk, he, he's, he's talking about mm. when he's scratching for every nickel and dime. Oof. Right? Something about the struggle is so divine. <laughs> you know, and... and Yo, bro, every time I, I listen to that song, it gets me back because I remember the times where, you know, we were struggling, you know, personally and as a family. And those are the, those, bro, those are the times that really build your character, yeah, man. Yeah, and, yeah. and And, and it, it, I will never forget those times. And sometimes I, I wish I was back there, mm. you know, me, meaning not, not because you want to struggle or anything, but because... You know that those were the moments in your life that define you, right? Right, right? right. and, and you, you want <laughs> to keep, keep hitting real. that that moment. They define, um, define, and, and moments. Define, defines you. And, and now that you know, you got we got I got a little money. You know, I got property. You got some. You know, we got these things, and now we got this comfort level. And it's like, damn, okay, I I, I need to channel yeah. that, yeah, word. so that I can get there. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I can't be comfortable at, like this, what, how I am right now. That's real. How can I help the poor when I'm one, one of them. them? I gotta get rich and give back to me. That's, That's the win win. <laughs> next time you see the homie and, and his rim spin, just know his mind is working just like them. <laughs> That's real. That's real. That's crazy. Damn. Yeah. That shit will get in your brain, yo. That shit will get in your brain. Right. You know what I mean? Son, I remember. Like, for I, real. Okay, I remember when I was nineteen and I went to DR for the first time. I, I, I used to travel a lot when I was young, and that was when Beach Chair came out. Ooh. So you know, you know, yeah, you was awesome. Beach Chair. He was like, "This is the Jersey that I've been waiting Wait, for." Word. I knew uh, you had it in you. But yo, the intro to that joint, the prelude joint, yo, he was wilding. He was wilding. He was wilding. <laughs> Like Jay was wilding for a minute. He didn't. He didn't stop, bro. After Black Album, we thought, "Yo, this is it." You feel me? And yeah. then he gonna drop another one, Kingdom Come. Niggas wasn't ready. You feel me? Moment like, of clarity. Mm. Powerful. Yeah, nah. He's his. I think as that's why people call him the greatest rapper alive. You know what I'm saying? Because like he's he's really the, one of the greatest artists alive. That's not true. not talking about just rappers. Like. It's, it's Jay Z for a reason. He's where he's at for a reason. I feel like he don't even boast as much as he can. You feel me? I feel like when he came out with four four four, it was just like, yo, just let y'all know I'm still here and I got something to say about mm-hmm. what's going on. You feel yeah. me? Because it's 
I've been silent for too long and y'all been running rampant. Like it's like y'all kids been wilding. Like let me do this. The the core of his message from the very very beginning was ownership. Mm -hmm. Right, right. From the very beginning, and that's where it all stems from, man. Being able to own your own masters, being able to own your own business, being able to own your own. You know, mm-hmm. and with that, you're able to to really become your own person. Yeah, yeah. right. You know? right. Listen, I, I, you know, I talk shit about, you know, uh, you know, Jay Z uh, influence on me on always, uh, you know, just always like feeling like I needed to make money, needed to mm-hmm. make money. But nah, you know, that's nah. Hove did that, so hopefully you don't you have, have to go, go through that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You right. But you know what? But even if even if that was the message that I was receiving, it put me in a better place as right. far as like uh, you know, not relying on other people. Yeah, but you know you what know? you take you take from things where you feel like you have to take from it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And this it's just really like everybody's gonna take something different. That's right. what you took from it. Right. Because your life was in a specific place at right. that time. Right. You know? Right. Right. And that's your journey. Right. And that's the beauty of it. You yeah, know? Because yeah, yeah. at some point you're gonna realize that there's more. You know? Right. Oh no, no. So, and again, yeah. like, like we've spoken about um everything else that I've gotten from Jay Z's music. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Um so just again one last, one last lyric, yo. One last one. He's let's like, do it. Let's do like, it. Make it a good one. Make it a good one. It's like, um, I don't forgot the amount of years he said, but 15 years ago, I could have bought a building in Dumbo for, for two million. Today it's worth 20 25 million. million. 25 guess, million. guess how I'm feeling, Dumbo. Dumbo. <laughs> and it's like, yo, bro, that that verse kind of incited some some yeah. crazy fire in me because yeah. I know that East New York specifically, like in Brooklyn, is the number one investment. In the country, yeah. I think in the world, to be honest with right, you, man. Right, right, right. And I'm looking, and I, I don't want to be that asshole 20 years from now thinking, oh, I wish I could have. That's how I'm feeling. I wish I could have, should have did that. Right. And that's, he kind of like instilled it in me. And yo, bro, and after the, 444 came out when I signed a contract for my first property in East New York, and I was so fucking fired up. Mm-hmm. Because that that album just gave me reinvigorated my whole soul yeah. and got me ready to to do whatever it takes right. to yeah. create this generational wealth. Because in twenty years, I want to look back and be like, "Yo, I'm ex- I'm glad I made those moves," right. you know. And that album did that. That album did that. Yeah, album did yeah. that. You it know, that. also also therapy. Yeah, like, like for me, like it just said, it, it just encouraged this this outlook of, of of you know questioning myself and and you know finding help and. Understanding that you know I have yeah. some, I may have some trauma that I have to resolve and and that's okay you know that was something that we've never really spoken about as a culture but now he's bringing it DJ Z DJ he's bringing it to the forefront Yo, that's sick that's crazy bro listen bro everything came out on that album and this is why I say it was the best album you know what I'm saying like when you talk about therapy like he's really for for Jay Z to to speak on that right. On an album, yeah. that's a big deal because artists are afraid to do that. Yeah. And his first song was "Fuck Jay Z, Fuck Jay Z." You know, he's talking about all his problems. If everybody's crazy, you're the one that's insane. You know what I'm saying? Like he's saying, "Yo," because remember his whole career, he's talk, he's pretty. Is this is this very like self-absorbed? Like, yo, I'm the shit, bro. Like, you know, I, I make all the right moves. I make all the good money. Like, what up? You know? Mm-hmm. And in this one, he's like, nah, like. This was you. That's why he's saying fuck Jay Z. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't even be the person that I've been 
talking about all these years. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I cheat on my wife. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, you know, neglecting my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily being the person that everybody needs me to be and for my kids or whatever. And we're able to listen to that in his vulnerable state, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, we're, we're taking it in. Like, wow, this is the Jay-Z from Blueprint? Yeah. From Reasonable Doubt? Yeah. The one who's been arrogant? Yeah. yeah. He, shows, he shows his whole other side to him that kind of opens up the world for for everybody if you if you're if you're if you're 40 45 whatever listening to you know this reason this this music you're like yo like this is the jay-z i've been listening to my whole life and now he's speaking in a way that everybody around me is scared to speak you feel me like it it changes your whole perspective you feel me and i feel as to this day i feel like it's one of the most important albums to come out you know yeah and like even though i'm little old me I'm proud of him. You feel me? <laughs> nah, for real. Like I'm, I'm, I listen and I'm proud of him because we're all just humans at the end of the day. Right. And like, uh, no matter how famous he is or whatever, it's just like because he's such a big part of my life. I'm proud of him for, you know, making those changes and taking those steps to being a better person for the people around him and for his listeners. You know, like that changes yeah. people's lives. And he noticed his power and he did something about it. Right. Like, as the biggest artist on the earth, or one of the biggest artists on the planet, you feel me? And I think that's, like, that's an act of God right there, you know? Like, it's beautiful, bro. Yeah. Yeah, You know, listen, I have a few spiritual advisors. You know, I don't like to, you know, uh, praise anyone, because I Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone is is human. Mm -hmm. But um, I have some spiritual advisors, and he's he's on that list. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I have 12, you know, whenever I have certain decisions, I go Good into a dark room and, yeah, you know, get it and together. come out with some powerful insight. But um, when Jay-Z came out um, at that time in New York, it was different for New York artists to come out and uh, promote their albums. Um, you know, labels, record labels were out there handing out deals or advances or whatever you want to call them. Do you think New York artists today face more challenges hmm. than other artists from other states? Um, well, I would say New York, uh, only allows a specific type of artist, you know, and a lot of it is because of radio, you know, that's, that's who they're going to support, you know, they're going to support people that sound a a specific type of way. And unfortunately, a lot of times they're talking about that gang shit or whatever, you know, so it's hard for, I think it's hard for artists that are kind of trying to take a different lane, you know? Um, I think it's it's gonna take somebody to just be like, yo, I'm taking over this shit. Like I'm doing it my way, and somebody could take over radio airwaves easy. I think everything is easy. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying. I think anybody could do anything because I have that much faith in like people, you know. But um, like it is hard in the way it is right now for um artists to make it. And then on top of like the label system is just always gonna be fucked until somebody actually does something about it. You know, maybe I gotta be the person to do something. The way it is right now, as it stands, it's 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 kind of impossible. You know, because there's so many people trying to rap. You know, and then they're not necessarily picking out the most talented to be at the top. Right. You know, they're picking out the people that can be the most easily controlled, or the people that have. You know, you could have a million followers, but 
if you're an idiot, you know, or if you don't know much about the music industry, because you don't have to be an idiot to not know about the music industry. Like, it's it's a hard industry to navigate, you feel me? And you don't have to be shoot 'em up, you know, gang, gang, blah, blah, to, to not understand a contract. I don't understand my contracts. Like... And I'm I'm learning to you know read them. I don't even like signing too many. I'm like whoa, chill, chill. <laughs> I'm doing good right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm good. Like it's it's intimidating for anybody that's not a lawyer. <laughs> so um, like the the music industry period is not an ethical business. Like the music business is not an ethical business, and that's in every label system um, imaginable. You know. We were just talking in the car about yeah. how you know recently they 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 had. The word slave oh, in, yeah. in contracts. Yeah. Like in music contracts. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um the, well this is a, this is the master recording and this is just the slave recording. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a thing. <laughs> right. You know right. okay. that terminology. Yeah, yeah. A different type of exactly. That's not master. They own the master and the slave. <laughs> you <laughs> so, feel me? <laughs> so so when you come out with an album but you yeah. don't have a label, I would assume you own your masters? When you come up with our album and you're not on a label, yeah, you own your masters. You own your masters. But this is the the only the only thing is that if you're not on a label, who's gonna hear it? People are like, yo, well, who's gonna hear your your album? You know. But but the thing is that down the line, whether you get signed by a label or not, you know, let's say if there's another album that the label is able to push internationally, yeah. um. And that album sells a lot. Right. Those same fans, once they get a, a taste of you, they're gonna go back to your initial albums, and they're gonna yeah. purchase that. Well, unless the contract yeah. says otherwise. Well, my friend, they're not gonna take you unless they can have that one too. Oh, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, yeah. like it's yeah. it's like Don't they're not. Photo, bro. They. Oh, I'm never giving any of my shit up, bro. I'm never gonna have. I'm never gonna have, give any of my shit up. If anybody, yo, I'm gonna say this right now. If anybody, if any label ever gets my album, either my son gave it to him, <laughs> or which I hope will never ha- happen. I'll haunt him for the rest of his life, or like they killed me <laughs> and took it. You feel me? But um, like yeah, that's it's just it is what it is, bro. Like they. Uh, like if like I remember I was I'll, I'll say it bro I was with um I was in meetings with Warner Music Group right and at first the conversation was like bro I told them straight up like yo I don't uh I want to keep my masters um uh, whatever you know I want to keep my albums that I already put out like those are mine I want those you know and at first it was just real friendly conversation yeah of course yeah you're good like you, we're gonna make we're gonna work on something that's fair for everybody. And the more every conversation, I started losing more and more, <laughs> and then to the point where they get. I remember they gave me the first, the contract that they proposed, and it pretty had much had nothing that I wanted, you know. Uh, they were gonna you know license my first three albums that I had already put out, so they would pretty much own those two for pretty much forever, a long time, and they were gonna yeah they were gonna own whatever albums that I made with them, which was like two albums, two options, meaning that two, this is what an option means. If I put out, it means if I, have two, if I have a deal that's two albums, two options, they get my two albums off the rip, you feel me? And if they want to, they can be like, all right, we want 
to do two more albums, and those were those are the two options. Oh, so they have you know, options. yeah, they it's their it's their option. Yeah, it's their option. So, like, I'll never forget seeing that contract and learning what was in it, and I was just so pissed. And that was like the end for me with record labels. And me and my my team, I actually it was me. I was I sent them a um, I sent them an email back, and and I, I told my lawyer, yo, send them send them this. This is my response <laughs> to what they sent me, and it was just a list of non negotiable items. Mm-hmm. And at the top of the list, it said non negotiable, and everybody was like, even my dad was like, nah, don't 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 put that in it. I was like, nah, cause I don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not like these other motherfuckers that really. You know, care about what these people have to say. Like I'm a savage. You feel me? <laughs> and so it was just like, yo, I want 200k up front, like non-refundable in my pocket. They you were say only non-refundable. Non-refundable. I mean, like non-refundable, non-recoupable. Like it's mine in my pocket. Like it's where, not in advance. Yeah, it's not in exactly. advance. You exactly. know what I mean? You feel me? It's not in advance. Advances are dangerous. Like that. That's just up front. I want 100k recoupable. You know. Um, one album, one option. That means you can maximum get two albums out of me. You know, I own all my music, blah, blah, blah. They were never going to give me this deal, basically. It was like, just like how they said, you know, fuck you to me, it was like back at you. But, but you know, it's interesting that they're still, you know, they're still uh, requiring so much when over the years, the need for labels, have, like that need has gone down. Yeah. Or, or has it not? I think it's 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 a weird space. We're in a weird space where if you're an artist, it's hard to sell records. You know, it's it's not easy to sell records. Think about it. Who's buying records when we have Spotify, Apple Music? And back in the day, there was so much money to be made because people were selling their records, so many records for $10 a pop, $15 a pop, whatever. People aren't buying albums anymore, you know? It's all Spotify and in Apple Music and Tidal, and you only get zero point zero zero whatever on the dollar from a stream, you know? So you you have to get a lot of streams. You have, like, a million streams is, like, $6,000 at most, you know, on, like, the most paid. That's a lot of streams. That's a fucking lot of streams. You feel me? That's a lot of streams to make 6K, you know? So uh, it's, it's, it's hard as an indie artist to get that much exposure, to get that many streams to feed your family, you know? Right. If I got to stream a million times to, you know, get 6K, that's a lot. That's like, you know, and I think about these pla- I think about these platforms and yes, you know, these platforms give artists an opportunity to get out there, right. but every artist can get out there. Right, right. So now, so now, you, can, now you compete in with... You know, yeah. Joe Schmo, every single fucking body right. has an album on, yeah. you know, these platforms. So it, it is really the PR component that I think is really crucial. And I don't yeah. know if you back me up on this, nah, but, yeah. but um, you know, is, is getting the word out there and getting your brand out there is the differentiator between, uh, you know, most of these artists. I don't, what do you mm-hmm. think? I think that, um, but like I was saying, that's why... You know, labels are still in demand, you know, because artists are still looking for that, for that check, you know, artists are still going to be looking for that upfront, whatever it is, 200, 300K, whatever, like, I want, they need that, like, to just keep going, like, so they, so they can't stop. But, um, like, I think that for artists, the biggest thing is the music, you know, the biggest, like, PR is a part of it. 
I'll never forget when me and my cousin, who is my publicist even to this day, we started out, all he could do was get me on media outlets and things like that. And um, and what I learned from that was that uh, media doesn't give a fuck about you, really, you know? They will post you when they feel like it, and if they feel they don't feel like it a certain day, or they stop caring about you. Uh, once again, yeah, once again, you're a slave, you know, to whoever. Mm-hmm. You're either you're either gonna be a slave to the uh, label or a slave to the media mm-hmm. or whatever. But mm-hmm. you, you, you're pretty much at everybody's like door knocking. You know, like yo, help me. You know, if you're at a label and they're not paying you attention, guess what? You're still signed to the label. And those are the people you have to work with. People, If everybody decides that they don't like you, you're fucked. Because nobody has to work on your album and nobody has to help you. And if you uh, depend on the media and you have all these great videos that you want to be shown, that you want to, you know, everybody to see, and you're on knocking at the media's door, but they're like, you know what, we don't like you anymore. Well, you're fucked that way too. And what it taught me was that you really have to be in full control. Like... You have to be able to be the one to say fuck you, you know, or like I don't need you or whatever. Like, and it taught me to, um, it, it, I just saw things differently. Cause at some point, the media, we were using the media to get where we had to go to get fans and everything. And one day the media was just like, um, we don't see it, you know, we don't see the vision. <laughs> like, they literally, and that, and then it stopped, you know, every, every post, it just was just like, yeah, we don't really care that much about this kid. Like, you know, he's not really putting out the type of music that we're promoting and um it's not working, you know? So we're going to we'll pass on this. We've heard, we've heard those words so many times like we'll pass. Yeah, bro, whatever but, you got to do, man. And look, if I t- you know, if I come into some mm-hmm. some real money, you know, I'll talk to Vernon. <laughs> something happened. But um I got to tell you this, and I'm I'm not saying this because you're in front of me, man. Mm-hmm. You're one of my favorite artists. Wow, thank you, you know, bro. Um, real talk, and I think your music is necessary, and um, just whatever you do, just protect your neck. Of course. This industry right. savages. Of man. course, and man. We need to hear more. Yeah. You know? And you've been banging out quality music. Like, it's not like you're just throwing shit out, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to get into any, any arguments here. Tupac's song-to-hit ratio wasn't impressive mm. at all. You know, like he was throwing shit out. At some point, he was just throwing shit out there. Track after track after track. One out of six, maybe, was hitting. Yeah, Bro, when I listen, and I'm not, you know, you're too young in the game to be, you know, obviously Tupac, but, bro, your talent is there, and, you know, like, your whole albums are really good. Mm-hmm. I'm not fucking bullshitting you, bro. I'm not telling you this because you're in front of me. Real talk. Yeah. Like, I listen to your shit all the fucking time, bro. You know, like, this shit is dope. This shit is dope. Man. Thank you, know? you bro. And you're also emotionally evolved. Like, you're... You're everything... You're what hip-hop looks like if it grew up. <laughs> oh, shit. Damn. Oh, shit. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs> That's, that's heartfelt. <laughs> You've done the work emotionally. You still have that confidence. And you're still not allowing white society to dictate your every move. You yeah. are a free man. Right. Like that's what I'm getting from your from your music. That this external world doesn't have that much effect on me. That right. I control my happiness. That I am 
perfectly fine finding joy in the smallest things. I dictate what makes me happy. That's powerful. That's revolutionary. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I feel like it's more than music because it's authenticity, right? Because the stuff that you spin and the things that you're manifesting in music is very real. It's not, right. <laughs> you know, there's no farce in there mm-hmm. at all. And I think what that does is, you know, it makes it more than just music. Yeah, it is more than it's just more music. More than just music. Certain vibes, man. On a Sunday, on a Sunday morning, oh, right. like you bring Sunday mornings to my crib on a Monday. <laughs> you know, I think the heart attacks that happen are mostly on Monday mornings. Wow. Yep. So if you are trying to avoid a heart attack, listen to some Coda um, early Monday. Um, you know, for your health. But you bring great vibes, man. Like your music is, you know, does that. You know, and especially now where so much is going on mm-hmm. that. You know, your music kind of brings you back to like what's important, but also having fun with it. And it's light. Um, there's so much I can say about about your music, man. I'm just a big fan. I'm interested to know, because you said that you left school early, right? And then how long after you leaving school did you create your, your first album? Uh, well, it was like, man... It was a minute, you feel me? Like well, I was like, I was in, I was in a different group. I was in a group called Nappy Hair. Oh, I'm about to say, like, yeah. Judging you? <laughs> <laughs> you had Nappy Hair. He said, "Oh yeah, you had Nappy Hair. Remember?" <laughs> yeah, nah, like it was a group. <laughs> it was a group called Nappy Hair. Yeah, it was a, it was a rap group called Nappy Hair. It was me, my homies. Uh, one of the dudes was white, which was the <laughs> you know it was the joke. But um, we used to just um. We used to make like jazzy hip hop music, real jazzy mm-hmm. feel, you know. And you know, I left school, they stayed, and I was just, you know, put in a crazy situation back home. Parents wilding, like, yo, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what are you gonna be? Mad nervous, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, so because of the hectic situation, I was like, I just honestly, even then, like, I took, I had to take a step back and be like, yo, like. I can't make music right now, you know, it's too hectic. I gotta make money, you know? Yeah. And so I worked at uh Brooklyn Industries for a while, um, saved up everything, mm-hmm. saved up every dollar I got. I walked to work every day, you know, it was like twenty blocks or something mm-hmm. like that. I didn't take a bus, nothing, just just walked winter, summer, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. I I did this every day, bro. I walked to work every day to save up every penny that I could. And I bought a um and I bought a Canon 5D Mark II, <laughs> one of these joints right here, and I just shot videos, any video that I could possibly shoot, music videos. I would um do interviews, uh, and I was doing passion projects on the side. And I was and I told myself and all my friends was like, bro, you can't stop making music, you can't stop making music. And I was like, bro, you don't understand. This is not necessarily where my path is going right now. Like right now, I need to be doing this, you know, and Maybe in a few years, I'll go back to music. But right now, this is, you know, and it made me happy to do to do this, to, to learn the cameras. And you know, I was learning a whole different craft. I never picked up a camera before in my life. So after, like, I spent three years just doing camera work, you know, and I didn't pick up a mic at all. I think I sold all my equipment, as a matter of fact. I sold all my recording equipment and um, to my friends. Like if they needed this, I would sell it hella cheap. And I just did videos, bro. I learned so much about cameras that it, it was my passion. You know, I was really passionate about this. And um, 
So that was that was that was three years, three almost four years, and then five years later, after I left school, I dropped my first album. You feel me? <laughs> like I I like I said I had made some money. I I done I did videos with like Asher Roth and other artists that would want to come up and whatever. And so I made some money, took it. I was like, you know what? One, it was a random day, you know, random Tuesday. Like I was like. I'm gonna get my recording equipment back. You mm-hmm. feel me? And so I I bought it all back. I I didn't not from the people that I sold it to, but like I went to Guitar Center, did a little run, bought a whole bunch of equipment, put it in the crib, started recording again. Like it was like like nothing happened, you know. And then I dropped my first album, and that was it. You so feel me? Where were you at that point when we said, okay, mm-hmm. I'm getting back my my own equipment. I'm about to make this album. Mm-hmm. Where were you mentally? Um, I was like, bro, I'm just. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I don't I don't know if it's gonna be lit. I don't know if money can even be made off of what I'm doing. All I know is that I'm gonna try, you know? Like, I'm gonna make music. I wasn't thinking I'm gonna make money off of it. I was like, I wanna make music. I wanna do this, like, for me, you know? Um yeah. I didn't have an end goal, you know? I didn't know you could make bread from TuneCore by yourself without a label. Didn't know. Um, yeah, I've I've heard you say that uh, your music is um, a roadmap out of depression. Mm-hmm. You know, if I had a, a nickel for every single time someone says that I made great art out of my struggle, oh, yeah. struggle, you know, did yeah. that also happen to you? I mean, yeah, like it was. I think it was a. It was definitely a struggle, and I was still feeling it. I think I was. It was. You know, when when Cole says, you know, there's beauty in the struggle. Mm-hmm. You know. Like I was feeling, the, I was feeling the beauty and the struggle. I was like, while I was struggling, I was still experiencing joy, you know. And it wasn't just always down, down, down. It was like, yo, I feel what I'm putting out, what I'm putting into this computer is just like this is good, like, and it's gonna, it feels good to put it down. And it's, like, I was putting down my emotions and my feelings. For, I've been packing in for years because I hadn't recorded in four years, you know. So. It was a while I, while I was unpacking a lot of stuff, it was helping me, you know. So yeah, so it was helping you. So it was kind of like therapy. Yeah, definitely. What what I get from from your music is that it's very important to be who you are, uh, to embrace your truth, to be independent. Mm-hmm. Um, but but sometimes I also get, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that there is some heartbreak mm-hmm. that have that has led to some of your breakthroughs. Um, all the time, bro. <laughs> it's like I think your heart can break from anything, not necessarily just even a woman, like relation, like friendships, broken friendships, yeah. and you know, it's just like heartbreak comes in very different, you know, uh, faces and shapes and sizes. Like it's like your parents can break your heart, you know. Like um, it's like heartbreak is that's the that's the number one right there. Like a broken heart, yo, can sing songs of of <laughs> beauty, you know. It can it can lead you to some of your most beautiful work, some of your your, your biggest successes. Like uh, I n- I never forget something you told me a long time ago, a uh, long time ago. You probably don't even remember, but you told me, um, and it actually influenced me in the way that I thought. I was just like, that's real. Like, <laughs> and you told, and it's something I it's something I, I I grabbed at when I was going through like when like Coda was born and things like that, and shit got real. <laughs> But you told me he he told me this story about how this guy like his friend it was just like uh, 
he was going through some crazy shit. Like he got out of a divorce and like he lost his crib and he lost his job and all of that. And he, but he succeeded at something. But he got somewhere that was like crazy. Mm-hmm. And he asked him like, "Yo, what did you do? You know that took you out of that and brought you here?" He said. Stop giving a fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that changed that changed my life. You know what I mean? That changed my life because at a time when I was like the most down and the most out, I I took I listened I heard those words in my brain. And I was just like, yo, I gotta stop giving a fuck. You know? And that shit, you know, that shit propelled me into into um greatness, bro. Like yeah. the idea of not giving a fuck. Yeah, we we, yeah. we look we look for permission to ship our art. Mm-hmm. You know, Seth Godin, one of my favorite authors, and I see you got some books. Lynchman, tribes, yeah, Lynchman, but but huh? Tribes, tribes, tribes yeah, is a great yeah. one. Tribes is a great yeah. one. But the the one that I, I recently um listened to it was an audio book, and it, it was it was stop looking for permission to ship your art. Mm. Right, and mm-hmm. and, and I, I feel like that that ties into what you're saying about not giving a fuck. Me, it's not that you're not giving a fuck. It's, yeah. it's it's just that you know you're you're embracing who you are and you're okay with sharing it. Right. And you 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 cannot get to the place you want to be if you hold back your art. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. and, and you just can't give a fuck. You got to get it out. Yeah, and you yeah. stop letting other things affect you to the point where they bring you down. You know, right. and that's the thing about music is like. You don't let things affect you to bring you down. You let them affect you to create something great, you know? It's like, affect me in that way, you know? And so, like, uh, that's how at our lowest points we create, you know, things that are so beautiful. And even think about, like, you think about Malcolm X. You know, he's in jail when he changed, turned his life around and Mm -hmm. became one of the most influential people in history. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like sometimes when when you're at that breaking point, your your character is revealed, you know, and whether you sink or swim, or you know. Interesting thing to see, you take that approach that I think leads to this visible calmness that you bring forth in your music. Um, but but it's also you daring to like um, go at your pace in New York City, in the city that mm-hmm. never sleeps. Right. Like it's almost like Brooklyn meets California, don't you? Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. People have always compared me to LA artists and say, "Bro, like you from LA?" <laughs> but nah, it's just you know, you know, it's it's just like I remember even watching. I take from my past all the time and watching um. We used to have the, obviously Disney back in the day was hella racist and you know, but we had we used to have these this VHS. And it was the tortoise in the hair, you know. <laughs> it was the tortoise in the hair, and I used to watch. We used to. I used to watch it over and over, you know. And how the tortoise just be going Checking like this, <laughs> going like this. You feel me? He, they were racing, and the tortoise just be racing like this. He'd be like, "I'm just going like this," and the 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 hair is like. The rabbit is just going so fast and trying to do so much, and he's taking shortcuts and all this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Meanwhile, the tortoise is going mad slow, but still ends up at the finish line before the hit. You know, and it's that's that's real. Like it's like go at your own pace, bro. Like you know why? And I think even the biggest um like thing that people don't realize, the biggest subliminal behind a story like that is that we're not in a race. You know what I mean? That's the that's the whole point. It's just like it's not a race. And so if you're running the race, then you're not 
doing what you need to do, you know? Like, and so me going at my own pace and I stick to that so hard because it's like, yo, like, this is my journey. This is my path. And I used to read a lot when I was in high school and I read The Prince by Machiavelli. And he he said, the arms of others either fall from your back or they weigh you down or they bind you. <laughs> so it's just like, why would I try to put on this man's armor? You know what I mean? Why would I try to be this man, you know, to be this person, or where his, you know, what's, what's helping him. That's not mine, that's not for me. And so running your own, run, run, you, you're running your own marathon, you know, for you and the people that come, it's more like a, um, it's more like a relay, you know? It's like I run it, and then when it's that's my cool. time, I give, it, I give it off, you know what I'm saying? But the whole point is that there's so much to think about. Life isn't life is complex and simple at the same time. There's so much to think about, and if you let everything affect you and affect your decision making to a point where you're not even living your own life anymore, then what are you really doing? And what are you really living for? I think you're always gonna get to a point where it's like, yo, I have no purpose, bro. You know, like you're, I'm lost in the sauce. You know, because you have no footing, no foundation, like, and you. At the end of the day, you have to give yourself a foundation, no matter, um, no matter what. I feel like, like my dad, he's still finding himself, you know, yeah. like even though they were able to give us, you know, a two parent household and love us and you know take us to football and basketball and all that. It's like as a man, he's still figuring out what he needs to be doing, right. and I think that's amazing, you know. And to watch him become happier and happier. Because he's finding it, you know, like as a as a black boy that didn't have a dad growing up, you know, yeah. and so I look at that and I see everything for what it really is, and I see us and I see my son, and I'm like, bro, like this is real, you know, yeah. period. Yeah, you know, I feel I feel we all have a four 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 in us, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right? You know, but um, you know, like listening to you speak just reinforces the the idea that I had when I listened to your music, which is that your music is a compliment to my therapy. Because mm. when you talk about understanding your pace and letting go of, of what society tells you that you need to do, um, you know, and, and being controlled by that, that's exactly what my therapist tells me. I mean, that's the real reason why I went to therapy right. was because I was putting too much on my plate yeah. and I was running around like a chicken without his head, you know? And um, and that's why when I started to listening, when I started listening to Coda, it was like, yeah, this is where I need to be. Like this whole I don't give a fuck. This like too blessed to be stressed, aura. Yeah, like you know why? Because I had moments of feeling like that, and I also know that when I am feeling like that, I'm the best version of myself. Right. So why won't I work towards that? Um, also, another thing that I've noticed in your music is. What your, what your art does as far as um, expressing inclusivity. Um, I think, um, you know, this come as you are, um, I, I guess, vibe that I, that I find in your, in your work that's super important, in my opinion, for pushing the culture forward. Artists like you make it cool for the community to challenge old sentiments of homophobia, right. of materialism, and colorism. Do you see yourself doing that? Because that's what I'm seeing. Um, I think that, yeah, it's like, I feel feel like I have a, you know, 
an ignorant perspective just like everybody else because everybody comes from one place, you know? Everybody comes from somewhere, you know? But I feel like, and I remember Dave Chappelle said this. He said, yo, I don't understand everybody, you know? I don't understand everybody's lifestyle, but I know that everybody deserves to feel safe, you know? To be safe, you know? And that's the way I take it. Like, I don't understand everything. I don't understand everybody, you know? And I never will. Like, you know, no matter how much I try, at some point, I'm going to say something you don't fuck with, <laughs> you know? But everybody deserves good things, and nobody deserves to be shitted on or judged or whatever. Like, I am nobody to say anything to you, you feel me? Like, and I love everybody. They, you know, I look at even, I've thought about, you know, even, like, people that are so racist, you know? And it's just like, bro, like, everybody's in a product of their environment, you know? And it's it's just crazy. And so with music, I think it's just me. I don't try to be inclusive, you know? I just try to be myself. I don't actively, I'm not actively trying to appeal to anybody. Uh, I think I think the inclusivity just like comes with uh, my, my thought process, you know? And I think that's why everybody, that's why in the music, people can't believe I'll say something like I'll say on social media, they're like, oh, I can't believe you'd say that. Because when you're listening to the music, you're listening to how I really feel and not necessarily reading the tweet, you feel me? And you're not, in, in the music, there's context. You know, on, on social media, there's no context, you feel me? I just focus on the music. And the music is me. Like, when I when I get on the mic to say something, it's how I really feel. Like, even growing up, how we did is Jehovah's with Jehovah's Witnesses, like, we weren't taught hate, you know, in any in any way, you know. Uh, we didn't grow up in a um, in a situation where the religion our our religion was like uh, uh, mean, or they they didn't talk down to people or look at people on the street like they were nothing or whatever. It's like everybody was kind of just like like there were people in the in the kingdom hall that were homeless, you know. Yeah. Like they were, it's like we were kind of around everything. Oh, people were rich. People in the that that were part of the meetings were rich, and people were really poor. And and then there was us, cause somewhere in somewhere in the middle, you feel me? And just growing up, it was like it was just show love. It don't matter. It don't it don't even matter what our religion say. You know, in the in the book, what, what it don't matter what the like it doesn't matter, bro. Everybody deserves to be seen and heard. And that growing up. I just felt that even more. Like I met, I met people from all walks of life. You know, you you learn the similarities between like Islam and Christianity, yeah. and then you learn, and then you learn even in Christianity, there's so many different types that your your version of Christianity could be closer to Islam. <laughs> you feel me? Like, and, and it's, it's it's it just really made me realize that none of this shit matters bro and early on in life I had this this idea I was like bro like you mean to tell me like skin color is this and that and I as a kid I wanted to join the Peace Corps because I was like I want to do something to help you know the world and people that can't be helped and then you learn about the corruption in the Peace Corps and then it's just like so I growing up I went through this real like crisis of like wanting to help people in this dying world and trying to find my way to help and I guess music was that way to include everybody, you know, and help people from all walks of life. 
And I didn't even realize I was doing this when I was like made my videos, like when I with the subtitles. I didn't realize what I was doing because I was giving people all over the world a way to an easy way to read my lyrics and then look them up, you know? And people started telling me that when I went to like Paris, they were like, bro, like you the, you were the on, only artist to do that. Like you're the only artist to put subtitles on your music and that helped us like learn what you were saying. Like mm-hmm. like I can't even speak English that well. I was some uh, some a French dude in um in Paris was just like telling me, bro, like it helps me. Like I'm able to understand your music and because I can do that, I can vibe with you that much more That's because crazy. you did that. Bro, listen, uh, yes. Thank you for bringing up those videos because those videos are amazing. And you know, and that is an example that less is more. Mm-hmm. Like less is more, it's so minimal, but it hits the target. Like everyone can connect with that. Like mm-hmm. you're not overwhelming people's senses it's just two people trying to communicate with one another. Cut the fat. <laughs> you trim the fat. Yeah. You know what I'm and you know, and obviously it helps that you're a good writer because you're not all over the place when you rap. Mm-hmm. Like, like you have a, a great way of expressing a profound message in in a very economical economical way. Um, and you know, I think that's the beauty of hip hop for those that can perfect it. You know, I, I'm I'm just glad that you brought that up. Um, you know, because I feel that people are truly connecting with you because of those videos. Mm-hmm. Whose idea was that? That was my idea. It was, it was, but it was out of, um, it was out of desperation. You know, like those videos because I was like, bro, I got no money. <laughs> How I'm gonna make a music video? I gotta be, I gotta put my face out there. Right. And the first video I did was in the backyard. I just put the camera up. I put, I propped the camera up. I stood there straight like this. I was like, I gotta do something to make this video interesting. So I just gave, I just kept a straight face the whole video, and I just looked in the camera and I was just rapping. You know, it was free. The video was free. <laughs> you know, so uh, and I just did the song and I was like, hmm, I could add subtitles because I realized that people gravitate towards my lyrics more than anything. Yeah. You know, and so I added the yellow subtitles just to. So I could screenshot it too. I could screenshot like the lyrics and post it, mm-hmm. and people would be like, "Oh, I fuck with that lyric. Let me listen to the song, or whatever." And I just did the slow zoom, zoom in on the video, and then the slow zoom out. It was real simple. Didn't expect it to hit like it did, but the first time I when I put it out on Facebook, it hit instantly. People sharing it at like hundreds of shares. I was like, "Man, I had never seen any success like this." Like I was getting shared all the time, but. Um, it was a free way to put my face out there, and that was, that was it, you know. Vernon, what what happened to your musical journey? <laughs> <laughs> See, I got the I got the business dream. Mm-hmm. I got the business dream, man, and you know, real estate is my shit. And see, and you're doing real estate in LA, right? Yeah, man. We so my my goal here, man, is to invest in affordable housing all across the country. Right now, mm-hmm. we're in contract for a 32 unit in San Francisco. Mm. It's all for recently homeless people. Um, and it's uh, what a company called that we just started, it's Generational Wealth Organization, right. GWO. Mm. And yo, bro, look, this this is a company that's gonna be around for 400 years. Yo, but mm-hmm. you know what I like about what you're doing? Yeah. Like you're not out of here saying, you know, um, sleep for, for about two hours and you're gonna get successful. Like, I think your message is also coupled with uh, self-love. Like work out. Like sometimes you do these uh these videos, 
you know, hiking or on the mountaintop. Like, yeah, I'm here. I made it. I thought I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> when you put your mind to something, <laughs> we all have it within us. I got to get you on one of the boss More than boss talk. <laughs> It's a lifestyle, bro. Yeah. It's, it's a full-bodied lifestyle. It's what you eat. Mm. It's, it's how you rest your head at night. It's how you wake up and enjoy mm. and appreciate You know that, that first breath of life mm. when you wake up. It's your spouse. It's how you treat your spouse. Right, right, right. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, it's not just one thing. And it has... The last thing on the list is about money, right? Mm. The, it's... It, um, and that, that's really what I'm looking to portray. That's my whole reason for life right now. The whole reason for life is to portray and to um, just share this idea of generational wealth mm-hmm. as a lifestyle. As a lifestyle. It's, right. not, it's not a concept. It's a lifestyle, you know? It, bro, and I, I just feel like, you know, Avery, his music, uh, I say Avery, but Coda, mm-hmm. his, music, his music embodies, mm-hmm. you know, that generational wealth concept and yeah. that you know that that recent song that you came out with um i forgot the 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 uh the title of it, it and you're talking about generational wealth what, what's the title it's every song right there's a there's a um freestyle that i actually posted on my stories and i think you posted it on your page one time where it's just you you have a vest on yeah. and you're talking about you know I can I can turn down a billion and go sleep. <laughs> and have a good right. sleep. Right. Fuck fuck that hush money. I told him I'm doing good free. And you know, um, you know what's funny about that, bro, is that, you know, my dad asked us, he had, I don't I think he asked both of us, he said, you know, would you guys work for anybody? Like for any amount of money? And my answer is no. Bro, there's there's no amount of money that yeah. somebody can None. take that could take my time. Mm. And, you know, there's just no amount of money. It, it mm. just doesn't, it's not even about the money. It's about it's, me being able yeah. to be my whole person right. um, and having the freedom to do what I love. Yeah. Well, well, he also taught us this, you know, and I take it, where it's like, yo, there's no such thing as free money. You feel right. me? Right. Like, every, every time you get a dollar, it's attached to something else. You know what I mean? Like, you you have to listen to those gems. You know, yeah. those are those are the gems, you feel me? Like because you could get so caught up in money. Somebody waving a million dollars in your face, you're gonna wanna take that. You're gonna be salivating out the mouth, like, oh, a million dollars. You know what I could do with a million dollars? But what do you have to do for the million dollars? Is the right. question, you know? We you yeah. know, there's a lot of corporate slavery out here. Mm-hmm. And Word. and my again, my whole goal is to is to show that look, there's a different route. We don't have to be look, we went from and, and I I talked about this when I was on on Mike's podcast, but shout out to Mike. Shout out to to the old Mancini. He's not gonna (laughs) like that, but it's Mike Mancini. So, so uh, Ocean, (laughs) Ocean, okay, Ocean, my man. So, you know, we're talking about generational wealth, and I think that that generational wealth is a new underground railroad. You know, and and I feel like I feel that to the (laughs) core of myself. I feel that to the core of myself because. You know, back in the day when um, Harriet Tubman was trying to get, you know, slaves out of bondage, you know, they didn't want to, a lot of, most of them didn't want to go mm. because they were scared to leave their comfort of their little, you know, house and their little, you know, place to sleep and their, their chitlins and and, they, and their food. Because right. if they ran away, they risking yeah. that, risking having that comfortability, right? right? And it's yeah. the same. But they, no, but they're risking their foot. They're risking their foot. They're risking their foot. They're risking their life too. Yeah. And it's the same thing today, yeah, bro. Yeah, like, yeah. 
Like yeah. people will get their corporate job because they're scared of taking that leap of faith and scared of you know what freedom means. Freedom is a scary thing. Yeah. Bro, like you don't know where your next meal is gonna but, come from. But you know what they're scared of what the journey will do to them too. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's another thing. Like mm-hmm. They know they feel like yo, am I even fit to to have this journey? Like that's what a lot of those the slaves like. That's why they wouldn't go with Harriet because they were like, yo, like what's gonna happen? Like they gonna catch me? The door catcher's gonna get me? Like right, there right, was right. so many obstacles to getting to freedom right. that they instead of seeing freedom, they saw the obstacles. Right. But Harriet Tubman did it every time. Never got caught, bro. Like you know what I'm saying? Like because she knew what she was doing, you know. And she said, she yeah. said. She could have saved more slaves if, <laughs> she, if they didn't know that they were slaves. No, if they only knew they, if they were only, slaves. If they yeah. only knew that they yeah. were slaves. It is not nah, that's the perfect that's the perfect analogy. The the new underground railroad, that's yeah. real. Because people think that they can't do it, you know? Uh and that's it's crazy because if only they believed in themselves like we believe in them, you know what I mean? Like I I tell people all the time, even in all interviews, I'll be like, yo, I believe in everybody. There's not one person that I don't believe in. Like because you gotta, if you can do it, you gotta understand that you are everything is connected, and we are all connected, and we can all do it if we tap into the right thing, you know. Because any anybody will tell you the moment that they became free was when they tapped in, you know. Right. They, they they tapped into something higher than their current self. You feel me? And I look at I look at my friends, I look at the people next to me, and I root for like when somebody I see succeeds, even beyond me, like I'm like yes, bro. Yes, like you know, because it's like to become free is like the greatest thing, and that's even if you're on a label right. to become financially free. If you if you if you get on a label right. and you're making you you got that million dollar check, bro. I'm like, yes, yeah. get your get your money, black man. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like because no matter what, it takes a lot to get here. You know, it takes a lot to get anywhere here or beyond. Like so, man. Like to free yourself is like. You know, it's and not I, something everybody. I'll take it doing. to the next level because our, our, our pops, our pops gave us our freedom papers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Pops gave you your freedom <laughs> papers. And what I mean, what I mean by that is that he gave us the idea of freedom in our minds, mm. right? So we we were free from early from an early age. If you were a slave back, you know, in seventeen hundred, and you got your wife here, right. you running away because you want your kid to have freedom. Right. You want right, to pass right. on freedom to your right. kids because if you stay in bondage, you're gonna pass on slavery to your children, right? right? And and it's the same thing today because we can't once, bro. Once you pass, if you got a job, the moment you pass away, there's a a, 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 a <laughs> ad. There's yeah. an ad on right. Monster.com. Right. Nobody cares ready, about you. Ready to fucking replace yeah. you. Ready, like ready, like oh, we miss him, but. Okay, now it's time to go to business. But when you own a business, when you own property, when you own these, when you own yourself and you have this freedom, you're able to pass that on to your kids. Right, right. and this know, is not a, an outlandish idea, right? No, mm-hmm. you know the fact that you can actually purchase your freedom. You know, you know one of the lessons that I think that are lo- that is lost in uh, the Harriet Tubman, uh, you know, story, is that um, yes, a lot of slaves didn't know that they were slaves, but also. How many of them found it difficult to actually trust someone that looked like them? Mm. That's a whole nother level. That's a, that's that's a, a whole, whole nother, nother level. Yeah. So yeah. you're talking yeah. to me about this, right? Yeah. And you know, and I know what you know because I've I've purchased freedom papers myself. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, I went out on my own when most of my friends were saying, "Yo, bro, you sure? Are you ready for this? You've only been in the profession for two years, right?" That's that. 
you know, slavery comes in many forms. It yeah. can come from an immigrant experience. It can come from a race mm-hmm. experience. It can come from a socioeconomic, you know, status experience. It's fucked up. Yeah. But the one person who told me, yo, bro, do it. And if you fail, guess what? You're going to be exactly where you're at right now. Mm. And that, out of many of my friends, right? And, you know, yes, I do have a diverse set of friends. But he was a, a white brother. Hmm. And it made me think, hmm, why is it that folks that are that look like me? You know what? You know what? Nah, it's just like, white, you got to think about it socially, yo. White people, they see that, you know? They see it happen. They see people succeed, you know? Right. Like, they have people in their community that succeed on their own, you know? Right. They... They have the audacity, you know. They they um they grow up with that, with the idea that I'm the boss. You feel me? Like yeah. people that look like me are bosses, right. and it's 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 at our deficit that we don't see ourselves that way all the time, and we're just now starting to see ourselves that way because we have those figures, you know. So like, it's it's really just a a, a cultural mindfuck, mm-hmm. you know. And that's, I, I could imagine that that's why a white guy of all people would be like, nah, that sounds like a good idea, yeah. you know? Like, and they're not, and but even then it takes for them to not be racist and prejudiced to extend that to you right. and say that you can do it right. just like anybody over here can, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, someone would reach back and say, you can have everything. Right. Mm. Everything. <laughs> you can have everything. I want everything. I want everything. I want everything. <laughs> Fuck a piece. I want everything. Like, you know? Talk to me about that album. Like, uh, how did you, like, was it the fact that you wanted everything? Like, that's where you're at right now? Like, nah. just, like yeah. you know, you feel that, um, you know, your hard work, you know, gives you the space to say, you know what? I deserve everything that I want. Mm. Is that where you're at right now? Uh, well, this is, you know what's crazy? I named, when I named that album, it was just like, and I just wanted to name it everything. <laughs> and I always, I usually do that sometimes. I'll just be like, yo, this is going to be the name of the album. We'll figure it out. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like saying the last, the, the last bar to a song and then writing the rest of the song, you know? So I named it everything and it made sense at the end. Like it always does. Cause the universe, I let it do its thing. Like I work in tandem with the universe. You know what I mean? I, I, I do my thing, but I understand, I feel like. Not having control is the best, you know? Not feeling like you don't have full control and accepting that, great. And so I named it everything, started making the music. I was like in my, I was in a bad place. Like I had just, you know, been kicked out of my apartment, moved back in with my mom, just like trying to figure life out. Like, damn, what am I gonna do? Like, ah, so much going on, baby moms, this and that, or these girls over here wilding, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Like trying to figure out my life. And I made I made everything, you know? And it was just like, I wanted to make the most positive album that I could ever make, you know? I wanted every song to be like a jab of positivity, like a whole drink of just like goodness, like, you know? And that's what it came out to be. And just the song, everything, I want everything, everything. Tell a hater he could rest in peace, rest in peace. I don't want no fucking peace, I'm taking everything. Like, I'm basically saying like, I'm basically saying I want I want the joy, the happiness, uh, I want the financial freedom, uh, generational wealth. Uh, I want to spend time with my family. I could have basically like yeah, I could have everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't have to sacrifice anything anymore. You know? And I think when you're on a come up, you make a lot of sacrifices. Yeah. You know? There's so many. There's because you you have to sacrifice something to get somewhere else. You know? 
to 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 get something great. You have to give up something. And so basically, I think it's just me saying like, yo, I want to regain all the stuff that I've lost over the years of of struggling and trying to make it. And I don't want to sacrifice my emotional health anymore. Right. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so what's next for Koda? What's next? What's next for me? Um, make another album. You feel me? I I just moved into my new crib. I'm gonna work on my next joint. I'm gonna take my time. You know, just like I, I've always have. Uh, stay close to my fam. Uh, you know, and and just nothing crazy. You know what I mean? Like nothing crazy. Just keep going at my pace. Like, um, uh, like even this conversation is good. It was un- we're unpacking right now. Yeah, A whole yeah, bunch yeah, of stuff. You know. You're not planning to move to LA, join Vern? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Get maybe. A juicer? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> my son, my, my my son's mom actually wants to go out there to pursue acting. Mm. So that'll be my moment. You know, <laughs> that'll be like, all right, boom, let's go. You know what I'm saying? I wanna feel forced to do it, you know? <laughs> I wanna feel like, ah, oh, I gotta gotta get a crib in LA now. You know, so um it's just making music like I've always made it. And that's really it, yo. I just want to put out, I want to make music, put it out, live life. That's it. You feel right. me? And that's forever. There's no, there's no end goal, you know? There's no nothing, just like same old every year. <laughs> What's up with you, Brian? Uh, man, I, look, man, I, I, my, my brother has inspired me to get my creativity up and to oh. ship. And to, to come on. Uh oh, uh oh. About to spit some bars. <laughs> nah. Um, but, said, matter of fact, here's 15 <laughs> tracks. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you know, I got I got more than boss talk as a podcast coming out in January. Mm. January 4th is gonna drop. Okay. Okay. Podcast. Okay. And shout out to uh, Maurice Garvin, Ramel Dash, my cousins. You know, we coming together to create this create this new platform, and mm. we're gonna be linking up with gentlemen like you yes, and sir. ladies. You know, to talk about. Uh, their struggles, their triumphs. Mm. You know, I I, I want to talk about specific stories mm. of triumph where people can relate to it and uh, be able to emulate and mm. to be able to take those gems and and make it actionable items. And then I'm also I, this whole year I've been working on a book. It's called uh, the Generation of Wealth Manifesto, mm. and um, that's coming out in uh, 2021, late 2021, um, and. You know, from there it's gonna be a documentary. So you know, I'm I'm just working, man. I'm I'm working. I'm I'm uh, doing a lot of deals all across the country. Um, gonna be moving to Spain in three years. Mm-hmm. I'm putting that's already in motion, uh, and buying more property, housing more homeless. You know, I'm not here to fuck around. So <laughs> that's what it's all about. Well, bro, mm-hmm. man, listen, if you do come out with an album, I have an artist. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's called Harry Tubman. All right. <laughs> I like that. I like Harry Tubman. Harry Tubman. <laughs> My guys, I'm grateful that you guys made it out, Coda. Word, thank you so much. Based off the bro, um, I appreciate you taking the time out. This is something new for me. I generally practice law, mm-hmm. uh, but what I get from your music is that it's never about a destination. It's really about mm-hmm. finding more ways to appreciate life. Well, the and journey is the journey is the destination. Yes, the journey <laughs> yeah. is the destination, and, and you know. And, and appreciating the journey, especially in the short time that we have here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm grateful that you carved out a few hours to break bread with me, brother. And Vern, Yo. thank you, bro. You already. You brought a Sunday vibe <laughs> on a rainy Wednesday night for me, man. I yes. appreciate you. 
Uh, before we go, where where can we find you? Instagram. I know we talked about the devil, but we gotta we gotta <laughs> give those details. Right. I'm I'm at V Peso V P E S O V Peso. You know that's that's forever. You know, and and it's funny because it came from Jay. Of you know, course. It's, like, it's like yeah. You know, of course, you would take him to a reasonable doubt concert. No right, 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 right. <laughs> so yeah, catch me on there, and then uh, you know, just Google me. Okay. Oh, Google me. Google well, me. You know, it's Google, Google, you know, it's Google. Google Google's me. Google's your best man. Morning Boss Flex. Morning Boss Flex. What's up, Coda? Where can voice. we find you? Coda the friend, everything. K-O-T-A, the friend. You know? That's it. It's God, man. Yo, I appreciate you guys, man. No doubt. Appreciate y'all, man. man. Yo, for it's real. It's been a cleansing. It's been great, bro. It's been a cleansing, Thank you. Man.